When two musicians witness a massacre committed by a notorious gangster, they do the right and logical thing. They dress and drag and pass themselves off as part of an all-women band. In this episode of View the Right Thing, Wes and Steve share their hot take on this Billy Wilder comedy classic starring Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemmon in Some Like It Hot. Next, Wes and Steve continue to chum up their thoughts about Steven Spielberg's works with a movie that created the summer Hollywood blockbuster and cemented Spielberg's reputation as a major Hollywood talent in Jaws. And now it's time for View the Right Thing. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Welcome. Of. Welcome. View the Right Thing. Welcome, welcome, welcome to View the Right Thing. West and Steve. Yeah. I might have missed a couple notes there. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Yeah. So, View the Right Thing, your book club-like podcast about movies. Are we called View the Right Thing? We are called View the Right Thing. Even tonight? I, you know what? I paused and gave you an opportunity. <laughs> I, I, threw the, I threw you a bone and you chose to not to chomp down the show. On it. Indiana Jaws! I, I gave you a shot at that and you, you failed to capitalize, my friend. Well, I gotta remain unpredictable, you know? Yeah, well. It's part of my mystique. What, uh, what movies did we watch? Uh, this, this time we watched... A uh, couple of good ones. Yeah. A couple some, of really good ones. Some like it hot. I'll say it. Yeah. Not just good ones. And not even just classics. These are super classics. Super classics. Full stop. These are super classic movies right. right here. Some like it hot and Jaws. Whoa. Two movies about people, uh, love, and the water. Yeah. A lot of... A lot of ocean frolicking in both. Yep. Maybe not a lot. Atlantic Ocean. But quite both, a bit. Both in the Atlantic Ocean. Very true. One northern Atlantic, one, you know, Florida Atlantic. It's weird to call it the southern Atlantic because there's so much more Atlantic sure. down there. For the United States, though, it's southern. Yeah. Good old uh, Some Like It Hot and Jaws. I'm glad I finally saw Some Like It Hot. I I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you're glad that you... I can't, believe, I can't believe so many years have gone by. That's one of those that, that I think it's like... Of not watching. That the example that we always give about why we started this podcast. Yes. For you, that's one of those movies where I think people are like, you haven't seen this? Big time. Um, inclu- myself included. I couldn't believe Steve had not seen something like that. Because I've had it sitting on my DVD shelf. You're a funny guy. For 12 years. I feel like you understand comedy pretty well. I like to, um, especially as an actor. I think so. So it's sho- it was shocking to hear that you had not seen it. I was afraid. I was afraid I was going to fall asleep during watching the black and white movie. Did you fall asleep? Was there coffee can down on this one? I don't think I fell asleep. I felt like I looked over at you during Jaws. Oh yeah, your eyes may have been closed you gotta, once or twice. You got to doze off when you watch Jaws. No, for, you do not. For the do, please do not do that. Life. Um, it's like Jaws it's is, like falling asleep in church, Jaws, you know. Just go for it. Yeah, Jaws is becoming one of my most watched uh, movies. It's definitely high on so, my so list. Surely, um, how many times do you think you've watched it? 
Oh, probably not a ton. Ten-ish. Ten? That's a good count. Yeah. That is good. Somewhere in that area. A few times showing people that had never seen it before. Yeah. Um, but usually just because it's been a year or two, a couple right. of years, and I'm like, I need to watch it again. Pop in Jaws. You don't watch it every 4th of July? I don't. Oh. I'm... I try to. More likely to watch E.T. Oh, yeah. Which also gets shown around that same time. Now, what do E.T. and Jaws have in common? Uh, same music, music composer. And? Um, they both utilize uh, low-angle camera shots. All right. I feel like there's something much bigger going on. Oh, they're both Steven Spielberg movies, maybe? Yeah, so why did we watch Jaws tonight? Because it's part of our Steven Spielberg Odyssey. Steven Spielberg Odyssey. E, 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 E. You're so weird. This was only our third movie in the Odyssey. Yeah. Jaws, 1975. Yeah. Should we talk Jaws first, or trailers first, or let's something talk, like it hot first? Let's talk trailers Um we're we're gonna chill out a little bit on the uh, on the talking about movies that we saw in the theater just because we have um, up next we have our Oscar podcast. Should we talk about movies I watched on Netflix? And uh, that's an interesting question. Sure, uh, let's pick one each of a movie that we watched on home video that's uh, not a screener. Right. I watched Creep Two on New Year's Eve. Oh, cool! You know, Creep One originally was in our Halloween bucket. Oh yeah. We just didn't get around to seeing it. I've seen Creep 1. I've not. I haven't seen either Creep. And now I've seen Creep 2. But uh, my friend... I won't spoil anything. My friend is named after a character, or a character is named after my friend in Creep. Really? Yep. So there's a character, I don't know... Oh, I know know exactly who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, there's a character named Joseph. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like it's that uh, unusual of a name, but it's even spelled the way, and he spells his name in a unique way. With a D before the J. Yeah, like Django. Yeah. I like Joseph. Um, well, then I won't spoil much about Creep or Creep 2 for Please you. Please don't. Other than, I'll, I'll, I'll literally just say this about Creep 1, and a bit of it trickles into Creep 2. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot like going into the woods with our friend Daniel Weiss. I've, I've never gone into the woods with him for good reason. He's going to jump out and scare you a lot. Probably. He's going to try to get your, get, cook your goose a little bit. And as I was watching Creep 2, I was like, this is like going into the woods with Daniel Weiss. Mm. That's about all I'm going to say. All right. Both pretty entertaining movies. I'm having a hard time deciding which movie to talk about. I watched Bushwick. Did you watch Bushwick? I don't know what that is. Dave Bautista, Brittany Snow. War breaks out in Bushwick, Brooklyn, New York. Brittany Snow. I like Brittany Snow. She's all right, you know. She's pretty cool. I like uh, Dave Bautista also. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I um, I'm, I'm gonna. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I keep hoping that maybe they're gonna bring Dave Bautista back in, uh, the next Bond film. Whoa, was he in a previous Bond film? He was Inspector. I still never watched Spectre. No. Did it go Spectre then Skyfall or Skyfall then Spectre? Skyfall then Spectre. So. I'm literally not caught up on James Bond. Which was, Spectre was just like kind of so-so. Who's um, the main bad guy in that? Well, I don't want to say because it's, okay. it's like a big reveal. Oh, okay. Um, then in that case, don't. But, uh, you know, Dave Bautista plays, I can tell it say this, he basically plays a henchman. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, as James Bond does, he tends to defeat the henchmen in a pretty decisive manner. Oh, yeah. Um, I felt like they were a little vague with how he was defeated, and um, I think they could bring him back as a classic henchman. So. Whoa, all right. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping they'll bring him back. I'm interested in seeing how this is going to unfold. Yeah. Uh, so I watched... Um, man, I'm having a hard time deciding which movie to pick. I'm going to talk about the one that I think is looked down upon a little bit. Cause, yeah. Because I really enjoyed it. Um, and that's the sequel to The Kingsman. Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Ah, I still haven't seen that. Um, not a terribly well-written movie. Yeah. Uh, but man, is it a lot of fun to watch. That's good. Sometimes um, that's what you need in a it movie. It got really, really bad reviews. And I felt really bad for it. It's funny. Um, there's definitely some stuff in it that obviously things worked really, really well. Yeah. Uh, in the first movie, like the church scene in the first film. Yeah. Um, and he basically tries to recreate that with m- pretty much every fight scene in the movie. Oh, wow. So it gets a little, like, tedious. And, and because of that, he tries to do these, this this camera movement and edit that doesn't work. Yeah. And I feel like if he just kind of backed off a little bit and just showed the scene a little bit more, I think it'd be even more fun and I think people would have appreciated it more. Um, but having said that... Even with those distractions during those scenes, the scenes are so well thought out and fun that, um, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, just really enjoyed watching the movie. That's good. I'll have to check it out. Just turn my brain off and... Yeah, sometimes that's what movies are good for, you know? Watch people get kicked in the face and whatnot. Yeah, just have have an escapist experience, you know? It's super violent. It's got a pretty fun cast. Yeah. Julianne Moore is fantastic. Does it end as filthily as the first one ended with all that? Filth? I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. All that filth being talked about. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. They uh, they they definitely took the first movie and built on that. <laughs> so uh, they they don't forget the, that what came before. And right. I, and I really really appreciated that. It made me so happy to see the decisions that they made based on the first film. So all right, that's cool. I'll check it out eventually. Yeah. Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Yeah. Not great, but a ton of fun. That's good. A ton of fun. Yeah. So have you my... seen any cool, cool trailers? We mentioned Peter Rabbit. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned Peter Rabbit a couple it's got times. Domhnall Gleason in it. You seem real unhappy about Peter Rabbit. Eh, it was alright, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm kinda like, eh, alright. You know, yeah. Peter yeah. Rabbit. He's uh, he's a rabbit. He's cool. Mm-hmm. He's got cool animal friends, and there's a human trying to uh, keep them all out of his garden with poison and traps. So. It doesn't look. It looks cheesy and not very fun to me. I mean, it's for the kids. This is a total mm-hmm. like. Don't bother watching it unless you. It looks like the, the kind kids. of movie I wouldn't want my kid to watch if I had a kid. Well, sure, that makes sense. Like, I don't know. Like, I want you to watch good kid movies. Yeah. One of the first movies I ever saw was like the 1930-whatever King Kong. Interesting. When I was probably still in diapers. Yeah. Won a trivia contest with it one day. Nice. I agree. Uh, So there's... um, I saw this trailer for Death Wish. Looks pretty fun. Death Wish. Also one that doesn't look like it's like a terribly great film, but like a lot of fun. Okay. And it's a full-on remake of Death Wish 1 with Charles Brunson, or is yeah. it like... Yeah, I mean, it's not a... I think if, it's its own story, but it, it's definitely so it's not based like, on that. it's not son of Death Wish. Like, no. remember that guy? His no. kid's all grown up. No. A lot. It's, um... His kid's almost 60. I don't think... I think 
I don't think that can happen in the Death Wish, with Death Wish oh, yeah. story. Good point. So, um, you just made a Death Wish. I'm Charles Brunson. Uh, what else? Uh, that Tomb Raider movie's coming out. Oh, with... I don't think it looks very good. With Ex Machina. Yeah. It looks like it's got a lot of bad CG in it. Is it Alicia Vikander? Uh, yeah. Something like that? Yeah, I'm not excited for Tomb Raider. Um, she's cool. I want to be excited for Tomb Raider. I want to be. I absolutely want to be. That looks, the effects look like garbage. Uh, also, I mean, the first two Tomb Raiders, like... I still don't care about them. Maybe some people do out there. Yeah, you know. Um, and then on top of that, video game movies. I'm still waiting for that first good video game movie. Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph, in a way, yes. Because <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph is a really good movie about yeah. a fictitious video game. Yeah. Whereas other video game movies are studios going hey this game's really successful yeah let's base a movie on it and for some reason they just keep not making making the the target hitting the target yeah making me care it's like um the one with the rock rampage looks like a lot of fun but doesn't look like it's gonna be a good video game movie yeah i'm gonna watch the hell out of it i hope it's fun yeah with the rock that's a pretty good you know Pretty good step in the right direction for at least a movie being really fun and action-packed. So maybe Rampage will be the first good video game movie. Oh, you we, know we what, may never know. You know what trailer I saw for another movie that I think just doesn't... I don't know why they remade it and it doesn't look good. Overboard? What? Yeah. They've remade Overboard? They've remade it and then they like flipped the genders. Oh, so the guy is rich and spoiled and yeah. the girl is the closet... Carpenter? Uh, she's a cleaner. Like okay. a carpet cleaner or something. Um, and she's like there to clean his boat rugs or something. Um, huh. It, it's Anna Ferris, who I like Anna I Ferris. I like Anna Ferris. I used to not, and now I do. Um, Anna Ferris. Seattle, Seattle native. Um, but, fellow uh, podcast host. Yep. Not fellow. I mean, we don't podcast with her. but yeah, No, but she, I mean, also, she also has a much more successful and much mm-hmm. listened to. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. The movie doesn't look good. Who's playing the guy? I think the first movie was a little overrated, and I don't understand people's fascination with it. The guy is, um, he was, the first movie I saw him in was, he's, um, I believe he's Mexican. Okay. Um, and... Uh, is it Michael Pena? No, no, no. He's um, more known for films in Spanish. Oh, um, let me let me look them up for you. I will I will explain the fascination with the first Overboard. Okay. You got real life couple Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. Okay. I, okay. Winning package. Also, the movie came out in theaters. I don't know how well it did. I was a child when that happened, but it was on TV nonstop all right. the it time. It was like that, and Troop Beverly Hills was on yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so it's like as much as I love Overboard, I'll still fully admit it was just it was on TV so much. It was good for quite a few laughs. And so it burrowed its way into all of our groovy little hearts. And now everybody loves Overboard. And I, I can't argue with that, you know? So it's Eugenio Derbez. Eugenio. I could be saying his name wrong. Derbez. Um, and he, the first movie that I saw him in, I think it was sort of his break in the U.S., was Instructions Not Included. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like him. So they've remade Overboard. 
Yeah. Who, who directed? The new Overboard? Yeah. Uh, it is... Andy Milanakis. Two people. Rob Greenberg and Bob Fisher. Cool. Um, Greenberg who, and Fisher. At it again. Who are historically writers, I believe. They did like Wedding Crashers and We're the Millers. All right. Eh. I'll give it a shot. I like I like Anna Ferris. I'm not big on Wedding Crashers. I'm, no? I thought the We're the Millers was a little too like by the book. I still never did watch We're the Millers, but I mean Wedding it's, Crashers it's, was huge. I know and, Wedding Crashers is huge. I know people love it. Extremely good for I love like, the Ela first Fisher. 75%. Um, I do too. I'm, I'm not... And like, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like the people in those casts, but uh, it's like you could you could just it's it's almost like um, there's a dartboard with everything that's supposed to happen in a romantic comedy, and they just like blindfold themselves and threw darts at it. Yeah. And no matter what you do, it's always going to come out the same. Ah. It's always going to feel the same. Interesting. Um, that's that's my problem with those movies. I understand. But you know, people like them. They they you know more power to anyone who likes it. You know. Yeah. That's what makes the world go round. Money makes the world go round. Drink it down, Although, stupid clown. I don't know if you listened to a, um, a couple of, a couple episodes ago. Um, was Joey's first episode, Black Dynamite. I did listen to that. I um, think the very day that it came out. And uh, not maybe, only... Maybe a second time. Not only did she bring up your favorite movie, or one of your favorite movies. I remember it fondly. Big Dribble in China. I she, remember thinking... You know what? I liked Joey. <laughs> now I love Joey. Yeah. Joey Joey's fits right in. Yeah. Um, and then uh, later she said something. I lost track of what I... Where you I was said not up. only did she bring up Big Trouble in Little China. She, she brought up something else that made me think of you. Dune? No, 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 no. Um, what were I'm we out of about? topics. What were we talking about before that? <laughs> oh, let's, let's backtrack here. Uh... We were talking about Anna Ferris. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, she also did not like Baby Driver, but for different reasons. Ah, yes, I remember her saying about that. She actually liked the thing that I disliked the most about Yeah. It, but that that's okay. Well, it's funny, too, because like, in those moments, I'm like, okay, so I have a good enough replacement for Steve here. Yeah. Uh, because she's got some similarities to Steve and some differences that will be beneficial to our listeners. I agree. I agree. It's um, important to have different points of view going on. Otherwise, you know, we're all just agreeing with each other. And then whatever. Sheeple. Just a bunch of sheeple. Sheeple, man. Yeah, sheeple. Look at all those sheeple voting for candidates who might actually do some good for other people in America. Yeah. Sheeple. Now I'm angry. Don't be angry. I'm okay. Okay. So, we, you and I... Yeah. We like it hot. Do we? Well, some I mean, like it some. hot. Some. Did you, did you like I looked over at you and I was like, eh? Eh? When he said the line. Some like it hot. Some sweat when the heat is on. But yeah, referring to the jazz music they played. Yeah. In the, in the, in the movie. Some like it hot. Let's, let's talk about some like it hot. Uh, so Pretty funny movie. Classic movie. Billy Wilder. 1959, set in 1929. It's pretty wild to think about. Billy, Billy Wilder? Pretty wild? I like it. To think about how, like, we just think of 1959 as way back there, and 1929 is like, oh, yeah, a little bit before. But no, that was, that was 30 years apart. That was a huge difference in time. 
Yeah, it is. It is kind of weird to think about it like that. You know, it's it's strange though when I think about the difference between like now and the nineties. Yeah. You know, like what's the old joke? If uh, if the Wonder Years were to be made now, it would take place in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm gonna go jump into a jet engine and become dust and bloody dust. Um, some like it hot. It was a pretty cool movie. It won. Some it was Academy very Award. Won an Academy Award. Only one. Uh, it was. It won best costume. It was. Nominated for Jack Lemmon got a nomination. Billy Wilder got a nomination. Nice. Uh, Billy Wilder also got a nomination for writing as well as directing. Um, cinematography. That makes sense. Um, it's interesting though. This was a time period where they specified cinematography black and white versus cinematography color. Oh wow! Uh, art direction got a nomination as well. I can see that. Yeah, the art direction is really cool in the movie. I thought. Yeah, yeah, um, it's very beautiful. Beautiful film, but like subtly beautiful, you know. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like feels a little set like, but yeah. also feels like it exists in the real world as well. Yes, like the um, the Seminole Ritz, yeah, hotel that they go to um, feels and acts like a real place, but it's it's very like. Almost set up sitcom style, like like each That's very good point. Each room is sort of, for the most part, is sort of always shown from certain angles. Always, you know, always from the elevator, always from the staircase, always from the front door. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But uh, but it also felt very authentic. You know, they they leave the hotel and they're on the beach or on the water, right? In a boat or whatever. Oh man, felt... that boat! I got to get on a boat like that. But it was a pleasure cruiser. They, you know, the train, too. You know, they get, they get on the train. Uh, yeah. And it Especially also, when they're in the train's bathroom. It was like, that doesn't look like a it's train's a massive bathroom. train that's bathroom. A, that's a big damn room right there. Uh, that, but, you, but there's something that you kind of just buy about it. And, right. And, like, um, his, uh, his personal berth that he's <laughs> laying in. Yeah. And Marilyn Monroe gets in there, and they're like, oh, it's cozy. And then all of a sudden, there's... Like nine people in there. Yeah, and I was like, well, how did this all of a sudden become big enough for nine people? Yeah, that's hilarious. It's pretty great. Um, okay, so the movie to be Jack Lemon that day. So the movie is uh, Tony Curtis, Jack Lemon are these two sort of out of work musicians. One plays the bow fiddle, the upright bass. Is that what they were saying? Bow fiddle. Yeah, I kept thinking I heard bull fiddle. Okay, I'm pretty sure they're saying bow fiddle. fiddle. Um. Because sometimes they also called it bass fiddle, and I thought that was strange. Yeah. Why not just call it a, a bass? Yeah. I don't know. But whatever. I wasn't alive back then. Uh, and nobody then was going to listen to my baby ghost. Tony Curtis plays Joe. So uh, Jack Lemmon is Gerald. Yeah. And Tony Curtis is Joseph. Joe. Jerry pl- and Joe. Who plays the tenor saxophone. Tenor saxophone. Learn to work the saxophone, as the song says. Sure. Um, where do we meet them? Is it just a happening fun night a funeral in a home. fully legal bar where everything's fine? No, they're playing at a funeral home, which also acts as a speakeasy. Oh, boy. And Because uh, it's prohibition time. Yeah. And they're in the band, and everybody's having a good time, and it's a party. A great um, time. Of course, it gets broken up, and they don't get paid. Uh, they they hawk their coats. Their yeah. Winter coats. Winter time. 
to try to February. gamble on some horses, right? Uh, the dogs. The dog. The dog track, because somebody knows somebody who deals with the bunny. Right. And he, there's a sure, a sure win. Grease lightning. Grease lightning. And, uh, of course, they don't win. Uh, they're, so they're broke and coatless. jobless and now coatless in the winter. Fudge. Um, Chicago winter, no less. Yeah, so they get this... On the uh, north side. They get a, a, a hint of a job. They agree to take it. Through some happenstance, they stumble into a, uh, a crime scene about to happen. Yeah, what is it? They're going to borrow a girl's car. Which is at a garage. Which is parked in a garage, and yeah. some mobsters... Or what, playing cards in a corner of the garage? They yeah, were all just kind of sitting so, around. So, I don't know, the guy's name is Joey Toothpick or something like that. Um, yeah. Well, he, uh... Jimmy Toothpick? Something... What's that? Charlie. Charlie Toothpick? Yeah. Thanks, Desiree. Desiree she, she's this, I'm like a hot expert. Charlie Toothpick. Charlie Toothpick. Um, he's the one who let the cops know about the speakeasy. And so, uh, spats... Mm. Spats the boss Spats Columbo Columbo I was going to say Malone For some reason Spats Malone sounds like, Also sounds very Chicago gangstery Yeah Spugsy Malone. Malone Spats yeah. Malone uh, So Spats shows up With his boys And they Kill everybody They, they meet the musicians The musicians get away And uh, go on the run They know about this uh, This Band notice Where they needed A, a, a bow fiddle player and a sax player, but they had to be women, so they dress up as women. Oh, do they? And they show up at the train station, and off they go to Florida. They're taking a train from Chicago all the way to Florida mm-hmm. in a train car full of lady musicians. Yep. And those lady musicians are a fun bunch of ladies. They're dirty, like... Filthy well, they're mouths. they're bawdy. They tell well, they tell they tell bad they tell filthy jokes. Yeah, like like when like when they when uh, but they're not Daphne, dirty like covered in dirt. Yeah, then Daphne and Josephine show up. Yeah, uh, they say that they're with a conservatory, and they get in the train, and um, uh, Sue, who conducts the orchestra, turns to the manager, uh, Beanpole. No. Yeah, uh, Beanstalk. Beanstalk. Pretty close though. Beanstalk. And uh, and says, you know, we have to get the girls to clean up their language. And then as soon as they walk into the train car, all the girls are like, take your bra off, relax. Take your corset off. You take your corset off. All that stuff. Then they have a, uh, well, then... Uh, sugar? Sh- sugar is on the train, too. But which one of them meets her first? Is it uh, jo- Daphne, right? Daphne, I believe. Daphne meets her in the bathroom. And then she sneaks into Daphne's birth later, but then it's Joe who winds up falling in love with her. Yeah. Or no, they both kind of meet her in the bathroom, because Joe messes up Daphne's bra. Yes, they both meet her in the bathroom. That's what it is. And uh, She's smuggled in a little bit of bourbon. Daphne, also known as Gerald, takes the blame for her her, uh, flask falling out. Yeah. Because she's on her last strike. She can't be drinking. Nope. Because it's prohibition. Prohibition, drinking's illegal. Ukulele in a jazz band is not illegal, and Marilyn Monroe plays the hell out of it. Yeah, I don't know if she actually plays that ukulele, but she sings and pretends to play it for sure. Yeah. Pretends to play it very fast. Yeah. She's really plucking the hell out of that tiny guitar. So, uh. Things get fun. They have a really long train ride. 
Yep. They have a hilarity ensues. A fifteen girl party <laughs> in in one person's sleeping berth. Yep. I do like uh, when when Daphne Jack Lemmon's character says, uh, "There are fifteen girls in here, and twelve of them need to leave." <laughs> I thought that was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Pretty pretty hilarious. The party somehow doesn't get busted by Sweet Sue, even though it's completely loud and yeah. rambunctious. But they all manage to sneak back into their beds, and then Sweet Sue wakes up, and she's like, what the heck? What's the name of the band? Sweet Sue's Syncopated. Sweet Sue's Syncopated. I'm only sitting here with the IMDb trivia in front of me. Let's double check. Sweet Sue's Syncopated. Do you remember Dez? No. Oh, there goes our sound like a hot expert. All right, vamp for a minute. I'll find it. I'll find it. Vamp, 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 vamp. Yeah. So they they show up uh, in Florida, and, um, you know, uh, Josephine has bonded with Sugarcane, and uh, she talks about, Sugarcane talks about how she wants to meet a millionaire, young millionaire. With glasses. With glasses, because they're gentle. Um, from, you know, their eyes get weak from reading all those long columns in the newspaper. And so she uh so she's hoping she's going to meet this uh love of her life millionaire guy with Steve's pointing at me. I found it. What is it? Sweet Sue's Society Syncopators. Oh, that's what it is. Um and so uh, when most of the girls go out to go swimming and throw a ball around in a circle. Yeah, they frolic game. in the waves and then they play a game where they stand in a circle and just throw the ball to the girl next to them counterclockwise. Not much of a game. And they count it and they... Somebody, when they uh, when they get to seven... Somebody just chucks it. Chucks it away from the circle. And as if... As if... There was an accident. Sort of. But I don't think it was. I think it's almost... I almost wonder if maybe it's like duck, duck, goose. But instead of one person going around saying duck, 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 and then picking a goose, maybe yeah. it's like, let's just count how many times the ball goes around and which one of us is going to throw it away from the circle. It's maybe. weird. It's a very, like, Tommy Wiseau playing football in the alley kind of a thing. You it's... are 100% right. And the ball they're using is very strange. Yeah. I, think I mean, baseballs it's... back in that era, they didn't have the same kind of, like, but I almost uh, think it's more plastics. of like a like a dock bumper kind of a ball. Oh, because like, it's got a big weird like loop on one yeah. end. Strange. Uh, they like picked a strange ball in this movie. So so anyway, so she goes running after the ball and she meets um, uh, what's the fake name he gives her? So it's Joe. Just I think just Junior or she, she keeps oh, calling she, him, she calls Shell him Shell Oil G- Junior. Yeah. Uh, That's right. He never does say his name. Does I don't he? Know if he gives her, he's like, you don't know who I, you know. You know, yeah. he assumes that she knows who he is or pretends like that but he's, and hides behind his paper and implies that he's from oil, money, right. and he holds a shell. A, a perfectly large shell. It's like the perfect example of the logo yeah. for Yeah, and it's all in one piece. There's no <clears throat> chipping from being on the beach, maybe getting stepped on, maybe hitting a rock, washing around in the waves, nothing. So she ends up falling for this guy. Oh boy, does he's she. He's got the glasses. Um, and the captain's hat. And the captain's hat. He's got the the yacht, but not too big of a yacht because no. it wouldn't be appropriate in this time. Um, but he doesn't have any of these things because it's just Joe running a con. Yep. A sex con. Now, how he gets all of these things, he basically steals and borrows from other people. He yeah. steals someone else's luggage. Excuse me. Um, oh, yeah, he steals Beanstalk's luggage. Yep. And then he... The one with all his resort wear. He sort of borrows uh, um, Osgood's. 
um, yacht. Yacht, the Cal- yeah. Caledonia. Caledonia 2. Caledonia 2? Caledonia sank. Oh, that's right. Uh, from, it uh, was partied a little too hard. Yeah. That's what they, what they sort of explain. Which is however yacht should end up, frankly. Yeah. Um, Party it till it sinks. So he uses Daphne and Osgood's desire for Daphne as a way to distract Osgood so he can use Osgood's things and yeah. look like he's, he's a millionaire. Um, sugar falls even harder for him. What else? What else? Have, any, anything interesting? Well, Daphne meets Osgood uh, right when she walks into the hotel at the beginning of their Florida part of the adventure. Sure. And Osgood's a much older man who just keeps going on and on and on about how he's, what, he's been married eight times, but yeah. Mama didn't approve of some, right. so some he had to kick to the curb and whatnot. Well, like, like the last one smoked. The last one smoked. Mama did not approve, so Daphne's trying to shake him loose, but... Eventually, Osgood proposes to Daphne, played by Jack Lemon, and Daphne agrees to marry him in the hopes that she'll never have to get down with him, but will manage to get a marriage annulment and still get an alimony. Now, I'm no expert in divorce law. I don't know if an annulment would get you an alimony in 1929. I don't know. Yeah. They must have known. I don't know. But Daphne is planning to con this old rich guy into thinking Daphne's actually a woman marrying, divorcing alimony. Right. Ba-boom. Sweet old Osgood. He's too sweet to even care. It's kind of nice, really. But he doesn't find out until much, much later. Because what else happens out of the hotel when everybody's falling in love? Uh, the... Uh... What are they called? The opera aficionados show up. The, yes. Oh, lovers of the opera or something like that. Lovers of the Italian opera or something. Yeah, something, something like that. that. It was definitely Italian opera. They descend on the hotel for an opera convention. And what it really is, is a big nationwide mob meeting. All coming to this one nice hotel in Florida in disguise. Columbo, Spats Columbo, the gangster from earlier who shot up a bunch of people, killed Charlie Toothpick, and is trying to kill Joe and Jerry. He shows up with his four goons, mm-hmm. but the whole thing is being run by a gangster we only know as Bonaparte. Bonaparte calls, calls all the shots for these guys. Little, little Napoleon. Wasn't he? I there thought they just kept calling little, him Bonaparte. Little Bonaparte or something like oh, that. Maybe they did call him Little Bonaparte. I thought they only said little Bonaparte. Something. He wears a 1929 hearing aid. Yeah, that's interesting. Which is pretty much a Walkman. Yeah. So those guys show up. They catch Josephine and Daphne in the elevator. And they're like, hey, you ladies are pretty ladies. And they accidentally reveal their room number. So Joe and Jerry, a.k.a. Joe and Josephine and Daphne, are convinced these guys know we're the musicians they're looking for. We got a bail. Yeah. And Joe has to make a breakup call to who? Was it to Sugar Kane? To Sugar Kane, played by Marilyn Monroe. And, and he breaks makes, up with her over the phone. And Daphne makes the call too. Daphne makes a call to Osgood. To get them out of there. To get them on his yacht and get yeah. them out of there. Yeah. And that's a great plan, actually, you know? 
Sure. Because sure, those mobsters, they got plenty of money and power. Did they have a yacht just waiting around? I don't think so. But boy, oh boy, Joe's got to break up with Marilyn Monroe over the phone. She takes it very hard. There was a note in the trivia about how she was probably reading all her lines off a blackboard in that scene, which is kind of sad. But apparently, yeah. Apparently, Marilyn Monroe was pregnant when they made this movie. Yeah. And also, having some personal issues. Not all that well prepared with the lines. And hey, if I was pregnant, I probably wouldn't bother getting prepared with my lines either. I think she was. I feel like there's bigger fish to fry. I think she was also, um, like, having guy troubles. Probably. 1959 for Marilyn Monroe was probably a tumultuous time. Was that, uh, was that Kennedy era? For her? Um, certainly pre-Kennedy era. I mean, well, for she, her. she might have already been, you know, involved with the Kennedy brothers, but I mean, none of them were president yet. Where is the thing? There's a very beautiful thing in here that Jack Lemmon said about Marilyn Monroe. Because she died in 62. Wow. So she, did, she died before Kennedy, like a whole year before Kennedy. Only three years after this movie. Yeah, I mean, and she, you know, she had a whole thing about, her, in her contract, she was um, only supposed to do color films. Oh, really? Um, but the, uh, they convinced her, Billy Wilder convinced her to let him do black and white because when they did the screen test, he showed these screen tests of Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis in the makeup, the yeah. girl makeup, and they looked green. Whoa! In, in the screen test, so um, wow. So she agreed to to do a black and white thing. I hear they called it the green test that day. <laughs> well, they also, you know, talking about Marilyn Monroe's like issues. They um they shot it in San Diego. They didn't shoot it in Florida. Oh. Um, and that was to keep Marilyn close to home because well, she that's had good issues. She, she, and she was with child at the time. Yeah. Here's something that Jack Lemon said of working with Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. This little tidbit on IMDb says, Jack Lemmon got along with Marilyn Monroe and forgave her eccentricities. He believed Marilyn simply couldn't go in front of the camera until she was absolutely ready. Quote, she knew she was limited and goddamn well knew what was right for Marilyn. He said, quote, she wasn't about to do anything else. He also said that although she may not have been the greatest actor or singer or comedian, she used more of her talent, brought more of her gifts to the screen than anyone he ever knew. Interesting. And that's coming from Jack Lennon. Yeah, he he knew a, a lot of people. He lived a long life, yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting because like, she wasn't even invited to the rap party. Whoa, really? Yeah. What? Billy, Billy Wilder didn't want her there. Wow. She was a problem. She was a handful, apparently. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's too bad. I'm going to have to watch Norma Jean and Marilyn again. So, um... Mira Sorvino, Ashley Judd, 1990-something. <laughs> Mira Sorvino, Ashley Judd, it's interesting those two together because those were they were both blacklisted by the Weinsteins yeah. in Hollywood. Um, so, the... Well, they're coming back! The, uh, the, um... The fellows are on the run. They uh, end up hiding in a banquet room, which is where the... Opera aficionados are meeting. Yeah, so the entire mob is sitting at this great big table. And the guys they're looking for are hiding right under the tablecloth. Yep. But what happens in the meeting? Uh, they double-cross spats. Ooh. And uh, they bring out a big cake for him under the ruse of, of uh, celebrating his birthday. And a guy jumps out with a Tommy gun and guns him and his men down. The guys run out of the room. Yep. 
They eventually make it out. Uh, eventually make it outside. They do. Um, uh, Josephine <laughs> makes a stop at the band who sees um, super sad sugarcane singing. That's right. Goes up and gives her a kiss, and she while goes, dressed fully as Josephine, and shocks everyone. The audience loves it, and Sugar realizes that it's Joe. It's been Joe the whole the, time. The, it's the millionaire guy, Shell, Shell Oil Jr. Shell Oil. And so she goes after him yeah. as well. We get one of my favorite stunt doublings ever. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe on a bike. Well, somebody on a bike. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, they get on the boat. Osgood drives them away. Yeah. So it's like four people. and uh, Two happy couples. Kind of, yeah. Osgood is just... Uh, I'm unclear what's going on with Jerry. In this film, at the end of this, by the end of this film, yeah, are we to like presume that he and Osgood are actually gay, and that they sort of are coming to terms with that during this film? Because he I seems really to be don't really, know if they thought that far ahead. He seems to be really like okay with being engaged and going through with a marriage, and then seems genuinely disappointed when he knows it's not going to work out, yeah. and then at the end of the film. Osgood's the famous like last line of the movie is uh, Jerry tells him I'm a man and he says well nobody's perfect. Yep. The end. And it's it's like okay they're they're okay with this. Um, and but I almost wonder if they were just Osgood's had nine failed nine right nine failed marriages. It, certainly at least eight maybe nine maybe it was nine somewhere right around. I think there. it was nine. So it's like you know. Could we read into this that maybe his marriage has failed because he wasn't really being true to himself? It's possible. It's possible. I haven't seen anything saying it's definitely what happened. And of course, in 1959, it's like if if they're going to do anything even kind of pro-gay, they got to really cloak it. Yeah, which they did. Des, what do you think? She says, um... She thinks they're gay. Desi thinks these are I, two men. I think maybe they are too. Realizing they're gay. Yeah, I think I think maybe they are too. Could be. Could be. I mean, it's it's Jerry who who comes right to the idea of we got to do this thing. Let's let's go ahead and dress up as women. You know, um, that's a good point. The only reason he ever doesn't want to is when he feels like Joe is taking advantage of the situation. Right. So. Um, or he thinks Joe is going to lead him into some sort of trap or, yeah. I don't know, bad scenario. But also, Jerry's really happy about the slumber party going on at his birth on the train. He's yeah. enjoying That's at true. least the first several arrivals. That's in true. The, in this. No, that's true. But, you know, who's, who's to, to say? Ha-ha. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Is, is anybody from this movie still with us? I guess, turn, is Tony Curtis still with us? Oh my god. Uh, I feel like he either is or very recently isn't, which means I feel even stupider for not remembering. I'm on IMDb, 2010. We lost Tony Curtis. 2010. Why you gotta bring everybody down, man? Look, I'm just trying to make sure we know who's alive and who's not alive as we talk about these old movies. Yeah. And that's some like it hot. They managed to escape the mob um, as as Joe and and Josephine and Daphne run to meet Osgood and his little boat. Uh, we see 
Does he have a famous daughter, Tony Curtis? Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. Yeah, baby. Janet Lee. Janet Lee and Tony Curtis. Janet Lee and Tony Curtis. That's right. So I got to point out the stunt double. Okay, bring up the stunt double. Josephine and Daphne, they've made it away from the mobsters. They're running to the boat to meet Osgood to sail off into the sunset. And here comes Sugar Cane on a bicycle. Uh I don't remember if it ever showed her stealing the bicycle. But sure enough, she's chasing them on a bicycle. And she rides down the stairs and onto the dock. And when Sugar Cane rides down those stairs, it is definitely a very, very strong guy. Uh, barely dressed as a woman, just kind of wearing a Marilyn Monroe wig, taking that bite down the stairs. And now maybe, you know, on screens of old, it wasn't noticeable at all. Maybe on small TV screens all these years, it was never noticeable. But let me tell you, when we watched it today, I was like, that's a bro pretty much just wearing a black outfit and Marilyn Monroe's blonde hair. And and I'm not convinced by this stunt doubling. No. I'm sorry to say. No, it's okay. So the movie lost me right there, but it was also 30 seconds from the end, so I was all right with it. Sure. I'm kidding. It didn't lose me. It was a fun romp the whole way through. A romp, I tell you. Yeah, you know, I was really... Gangsters, cross-dressing. Really surprised that you liked it. Um, Musicians. Because you had been so re- resistant to it. The beach. A the, train ride. The beach. So I, it's full of things that I like. That creepy uh, bellhop kid who kept trying to get on Josephine with his uh, elastic oh, yeah. necktie. That kid was funny as hell. I like that kid. Don't worry about it leaving the door unlocked. I got a pass key. Should we move on to another movie about summertime beach hijinks? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we can. I mean, if you're, if you're feeling up to it. I'm feeling up to it. So, um, we did this other movie, a little movie called Jaws. Whoa. What? We watched Jaws? We did. Yes. We made that joke while we were watching it, too. I thought that was interesting. I might have. I don't know. I, I love Jaws. It's a winner of three Oscars. Three Oscars. Which categories? Uh, one best sound. Makes perfect sense. One best editing. And now editing, they say... Maybe saved a lot of people said saved that film. All right, um, because there were so many things going on in that film. There's a lot of stuff to go wrong in that film. And a lot of stuff went wrong, uh, and then it won best music for John Williams. Cool. Uh, it was nominated for best picture as well. Was not nominated for best director. No. Which is a crying shame in my opinion. Well, also, wasn't there a lot of nonsense back then about, like, it's just a monster movie. Bah. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's schlock. Not it's... a lot of horror films have been, you know, Silence of the Lambs, Black Swan, this, uh, Sixth Sense. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm missing, like, a ri- The Exorcist. Ooh. Um, those are all sort of the, the big Academy Award-nominated uh, horror right. films. And of all the horror movies that get made... The fact that, what was that, six examples have been nominated for Oscars, that's that's pretty sad. Yeah. But then again, there's plenty in the horror genre that uh, maybe shouldn't get made. Sure. So there's also that going on. So Peter, Peter, Peter Pinchley wrote this book. Um, uh, the producers, Zanuck and Brian... Uh, Zanuck and Brown, yeah. Zanuck and Brown, okay. I, th- I think so. They uh, they optioned the rights to it for one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. Whoa! They said um, need that kind of money that they would not have done that 
had they read the book twice. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they, they realized how many problems it would have caused. Um, they hired a, a director by the name of Dick Richards. Dick Richards. Which is interesting. Not to be confused with Rick Dichards. Yeah. I mean, the guy's name is Richard Rick, Richards, Richard basically. Richards. Um, I went to school with a Bobby Roberts. Yeah, that happens. Bobby Roberts? Yeah. All right. Uh, I did not look up Dick Richards. Let's look him up real quick, see what else he's done. Um, Dick Richards. I got a, a Dick Richards who who produced um, Tootsie. This is the prob- Tootsie? This is probably, probably the same guy. I mean, they were pretty close to each other. Didn't direct, didn't direct a ton. Um, anyways, he, uh, he came in for his first meeting with the producers... And I think maybe Peter Benchley was there. All right. And he he started describing his opening shot of the film. He saw it really clearly. The camera comes up on uh, Amity. Yeah. And then you see the whale come up out of the water. Oh, yeah. And they were like, he thinks (laughs) that this is a movie about a whale, and that's a problem. That is a problem. Um, There was some thought, I think, from the producers that he was getting... The boat ah. that Quint um, that Quint uh, pilots, yes, which is called the Orca, confused with the creature in the <laughs> in the book, but um, certainly couldn't they couldn't go with that. Right. Uh, there were several scripts written. Um, Peter Benchley wrote a script. They brought in someone else to write a script. After Steven Spielberg came on board, he wrote a script, and then he brought in. Um, uh, Carl Gottlieb to also help write, um, who who ended up writing a lot of the script. And nice. f- as I the story as I understand it is, they were constantly rewriting the script the entire time they were there. And this their production went like a hundred days over schedule. Holy shnikes! Um, Steven Spielberg has been on record saying that he was convinced every day he got up, he was convinced he was going to be fired from this job. Wow! And he was never going to get to direct another movie again because he not only did he think that the um, that he was going to be fired, he thought the movie would make no money. Yeah. So, I mean, he, there's, you know, I've heard stories of him, like, and I mentioned to you earlier about Universal Studios, but, like, on the set of Jaws, he would go and sit in the orca and just, like, be on the the edge of tears, like, yeah. going, I can't do this. This is, nothing works. Um, this is all going wrong. I've, I made all the bad, all the wrong decisions. And, uh, <clears throat> But then people wound up liking it. People, well, and that's that kind of goes to um, the editor. A lot of people say, well, the editor sort of saved the film because the the order in which the scenes take place is not the order in which they take place in the script. Ah. And so she rearranged things. Um, but like a true professional, she says, "Well, Stephen gave me so much good stuff that there was always a great film in, in this." Nice. So. Um, Real nice. Can we go back to the which guy was it that thought the that it was going to be Richards. a whale? Dick Richards. Dick Richards. All right. So I'm looking at because Jaws was 1975. Right. In 1977, a movie a lot like Jaws came out. Okay. Called Orca. Oh, interesting. Starring Richard Harris. But I looked at the producers. It does not seem that Dick Richards is one of the producers. We got Dino oh. De Laurentiis. And Luciano Vincenzo. Okay, so this doesn't actually apply to what we're talking about. <laughs> but just in case anybody's sitting at home going, Well, I wonder if that guy went and produced Orca, yeah. the Jaws ripoff two years later. 
It looks like he did not. Or maybe he did and he kept his name off it. Yeah. Because Orca... Um, back to Jaws. Back to Jaws. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of like information out, out there. A lot of the stuff that's mostly talked about is um, about the mechanical sharks and how um, they went to go test the sharks yeah. in the water and they immediately sank to the ocean. Are you going to do um, the line from the tram? From the tram, uh, the shark. Is... The shark is not working. Well, you got to put the put the walkie talkie no. on it. Well, Come on. that's that's much later. So, all right. Uh, so, anyways, there's this this off, often um, talked about thing about how they went to go get the shark in the water and it sank to the bottom of the ocean and blah yeah. blah blah. Well, they actually did test the shark and it did work in the tests, but they tested it at Universal in the mm. in the tank. Fresh water. Fresh water. So when they went to the salt water, delicious fresh water. It was all different. <laughs> That is pretty crazy that yeah. that makes that much of a difference on non-living things. Yeah. The movements of the boats cause problems and all this yeah. stuff. And, um, they, had, they built three sharks. They did recover the shark that sank. Which is incredible. Yeah. There should be a short made just about that mission. Yeah. So there's the... Um, Rescuing Bruce. The main shark, which is Bruce uh, Spielberg, also referred to as the Great White Turd. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Hilarious. So there's that shark, which um, was on the gimbal. So it was on a, on a bed with a track. All right. And then it had an arm that came up kind of in the, underneath the middle of the shark. Um, you could see it from all, all sides, from the top and the two sides, but not underneath, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that would, um, that would be under the water. And as they move the shark up... It would crest the water, oh. and then they could use the animatronics and stuff. And and well, actually, essentially, this shark didn't really do a lot other than go up and tilt. So they yeah. could like kind of tilt at different angles and so come up over the boat and stuff. Yeah. Then they had um, just fins. Good thinking. Like a rail, essentially a rail with the two fins, the the back fin and the the dorsal fin. The dorsal fin. Yeah. And then they had. Two other sharks. They had a, a left-to-right shark and a right-to-left shark, which meant that... Oh, that's cool. ...the direction it was basically pointing. Um, so if it was the left-to-right shark, the left side of it was exposed. The skeleton was exposed. Makes and if it was sense. the right-to-left shark, then the right side of the skeleton was exposed. So you would, you would always shoot a right-to-left shark from the left side. Yes. You'd always shoot a left-to-right shark from the right side. Um, and Good that idea. that was to allow them to like hook up hoses and stuff. They they used um, hydraulics, makes sense um, to be able to to animate it. And they brought in these. Um, there was a documentary. Uh, it's like I'm trying to remember what it's called now. I, I don't want to like get it wrong, but it's like blue into white. It's like considered blue to be the the shark documentary. And um, they asked the guy who did the documentary to come in and help them shoot real sharks for the film. And he said, I'll do it if I can direct the movie. And they're like, no, we already have a director. Wow, Um, that's a ballsy move. And so he turned it down. And and they said, well, who can we get to help us shoot this? And he said, well, these two, this couple, I pointed them out in the the credits to you. All right. they, uh, they're this Australian couple who helped him shoot the documentary. All right, ran underwater cameras, and so they came on to shoot some stuff under underwater. And um, 
we'll get to that part later, but they gave a lot of input towards the mechanical shark and the movements. All right. And apparently, you know, I've ha- I've heard a lot of people um, sort of badmouth Jaws because the shark looks so fake and doesn't really Man, like, move whatever. Much. They actually, apparently, it was a lot more animated. And be- because of their experience with sharks, this couple basically advised them to tone down the movements and make it much more calm and smooth and um, less... Animated, essentially. All right. So then that's so that's interesting that I, I hear that complaint and this is man. People complain about a fake shark need to shut it. It was 1975. <laughs> they put a real monster thing in real water. Sure. And they got it to chomp. So was you, it this title? Uh, no, it's not no. that one. Um. So uh, I was like, I lost my place. Oh. So they shot this movie. We're almost we're almost to where we can talk about the plot. Yeah. Um, they shot this movie in Martha's Vineyard. Ah. Um, What's that off? Is that off Massachusetts? Where is Martha's Vineyard? I assume because they they talk like. Yeah, it's definitely. They got a lot of New Englanders around there. I'm finding out exactly which state. In the yard. That's going to drive not me crazy. far from the car. So I assumed it was something kind of Massachusetts or New Hampshire or something. Yeah. Um. You look that up. I got it. It's going to drive me nuts. So Massachusetts. So they chose Martha's... Taxachusetts. They chose Martha's Vineyard uh, because they could go about 12 miles off the coast. Wow. And there would still be a 30 foot... I'm sorry, not a 30 foot. 30 feet down, there would still be a sand bed there that they could put the... Um, that they could put the, the Bruce shark. Pretty kick-ass. On, and they wouldn't have to go too far out. And it was far enough out that you couldn't see land. And that was like a huge, huge thing for Spielberg. Yeah. Because, like, you know, he ha- apparently had like two fears. One was the shark not working, and the other was that the audience would ever see land. Ooh. Um, and that's because, he, you know, not just for the sense of isolation, but he knew that if at any point the camera they shot at an angle where you could see land, the audience would go, well, why don't they just go to land? Right. Why don't they just get out of the water? Exactly. They had to, yeah, had to feel like, like they weren't close. Right. So um, that's why they chose Martha, Martha's Vineyard for all that. It's a great idea. So the movie. You want to get into the movie? Talk about it. What happens in this movie? First of all, if you haven't seen Jaws yet, huh? Yeah, what's, going, what's wrong with you? You know, uh-huh. One, one of the great cinematic masterpieces. Absolutely. It gave us a very famous term, not in just cinema itself, but frankly, it's a household term Yeah, that people have used for decades. Jaws created the first uh, blockbuster. Oh, the first blockbuster, yeah, it did. Um, it was that successful. What's the story? People were lined up around the block. Yeah. Um, somebody said, this movie is a blockbuster. It, yep. It, um, it only opened... It was. It quickly became the highest-grossing film of all time. Whoa! Um, and it uh, only opened in like four hundred some theaters. Nowadays, Oops. a movie that's a blockbuster that becomes the highest-grossing film of all time has to open in couple thousand, two thousand in the U.S. alone. Yeah. Um. So, you know, <laughs> that's Pretty for a movie. Incredible. Yeah, for for that movie, um, I think it was like one hundred and seventy-five million domestically. Wow. Um, which at that time in 1975 was like an insane amount for a movie. Insane 
And Spielberg just kept doing it again. And again. And again. And again. And then Bridge of Spies. And then again. And then Bridge of Spies did all right. I'm sure it did all right, but... Yeah, not my favorite of this Spielberg. It's movies. just, it's it's missing something, and I don't know what it's missing. Well, we can talk about, I, I know, I, I have an opinion on what it's missing, but we can talk about that when we get to Bridge of Spies, which is in a couple of years. Come on. <laughs> um, what? Should, I mean, should we should we jump into a bit of the yeah, plot? I think plot you should talk choice? about it. I think you should talk about it, and I think we talk about the scenes that we, uh, go ahead and go, you go through the plot, and, right. and point out the stuff that you like. If I know any trivia, I mean, I took a bunch of notes during the movie, which you... Perfect. You were like, ah, oh, you got your phone out. And I was well, like, I'm I thought, taking notes. You I thought you were tweeting at Donald Trump. No. All right. You were, uh, let's see. I have been blocked, by the way. Do I, you? I don't, yeah. I. That's probably a good idea. I, I during, I think during the election, yeah. I blocked him. I was like, I just don't need to see, people are talking about the stuff. I don't need to see it, you know, myself. I understand. If I really want to know, I can look it up. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I kept seeing people being like, "Haha, Donald Trump blocked me," and I was like, "Yeah, but you're the one who followed him, mm. so he could block you. I'm just gonna block him. I'm gonna like. I felt more uh, joy in blocking him than being blocked by him. I like it. But anyways, I like it. Uh, <laughs> Long before Trump was ever president, a bunch of kids were gathered on a beach on Amity Island off the coast of Taxachusetts. You know what amity means, right? Amity means friendship. That's right. Two of these kids, Chrissy, which is my mom's name, and I remember seeing Jaws at about three years old. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mom. And Dad, of course. Um, Chrissy and a, a, some dude. Do we ever get the dude's name? I feel like we must. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. It's, like, it's, it's so inconsequential. Yeah, it's like Torb or uh, Torb. Melp. Right? I don't think it's either of those. I think it's Melp Torbert. Um, Chrissy goes a running down the beach, flirting with this guy. He's chasing after her. He's really drunk, probably a little grassed up, as the kids say. Yeah. Getting his grass up. She's like, hey, we're going skinny dipping. And she takes her clothes off and jumps in the water. And drunk guy's like, oh, I'll totally be in the water any second now. Falls asleep right there in the sea foam. And as Chrissy is swimming around... Naked as a jaybird, she gets that all-too-familiar clamp on the leg, starts screaming a bloody murder. Well, she gets the tug, right? And ju- Yeah, that's right. She first gets a tug and then a clamp. You know who that tug was? That first tug? Spielberg himself? Steven, Steven Spielberg. Whoa. He was the first shark attack in the film. That's pretty cool. Pretty really cool. And then, uh, you know, what, 90 seconds of absolute blood curdling screaming and water and splashing around in the water as she's getting dragged which is one of the coolest effects ever you're really cool extremely cool like you know you've been in water it's not really that easy to move through it at that speed yeah especially with your upper body completely sticking out of sure. the water so the way they created that underwater dragging effect was absolutely incredible well boy oh boy do, we do gotta... you know how they did it what's that do you want do we want to talk about how they did it yeah i know, I know how they did it how'd they do it so um yeah. Susan Backliney. Oh, I've just been saying Backline. Backliney? Backliney. It's L I N I E. Oh. Um, was a stunt woman. I'll say. And um, they originally were going to hook her up to like an electrical harness winch system. She didn't want to do that. Um, like water and electronics? I don't think so. I think it was, I think it was because 
if there was a malfunction and it was all being controlled by a machine, right. it could like, I don't want to say tear her in half, but it could like, it, it could, it, she wouldn't be able to get out of it until it was too late. Yeah, it might not stop fast enough. So she wanted it to be controlled by people. Makes good sense. So they had us. They had her in like jean shorts. Yeah. And um, they created a special harness that went around her waist, and um, they had a line that went down into the water, all the way back to the shore Whoa. on each side of her. Wow. And they had markers on the beach, and they had men with the lines. And they would run back and forth to the markers, and it Whoa. would pull her. And so, what she would do is, when she would, she would know like that she was about to go the other direction because she could feel it in her waist first. Yeah. So she would just flail her arms the opposite direction of the way she was going to go. Yeah. So it made it look a lot more, a lot more violent. Wow. Um, than it really was. And they, it looks they so very violent. Yeah. Uh, Spielberg asked her to, um, you know, she has a, a moment where she gets to breathe for a second on the buoy. Yeah. And he asked her to. Um, Say the like the Lord's Prayer or some type like a like an Our Father because yeah. you know good Catholic society or whatever sure and uh, <clears throat> apparently there was seven or eight Catholic people on the set and nobody could remember the Our Father oh my gosh and so she didn't really get anything clear out <laughs> I'm not even Catholic I can remember the uh, Our Father so that's great um, yeah so that's so that's how they did the the pulling. That's such a scary moment. And yet I still get in the ocean at least once a year. Because F you, Jaws, I love you. You know, there's there's another thing about that which is kind of cool. And that's, um, you know, when you're screaming and you're screaming some specific things help. Yeah. Oh, God, please help me. That kind of stuff. Um, you got to loop it. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, like, splashing noises and stuff that, right. that they picked up on the mics. Probably, uh, like, shouting orders Do you want to explain what looping is to the audience since you're an actor and they prob- some people probably don't know? Looping, also uh, referred to sometimes as ADR, which I always forget what that means. Um, so, basically, it's like this. Uh, for example, when I was in another famous shark movie, uh, we shot entirely without microphones. And then one day they called me and said, okay, now come down to the studio. We got to loop your lines in. So even though I was there on set saying my lines to the other actors, mm-hmm. sound, uh, we didn't pick up the sound. So then I go into set. I watch myself on a big screen. I see how my lips are moving. And I say the words again, trying to match my lip movements to make it all sound nice and good and clear. And let me tell you, it works. There's a real interesting... Um, I've had to loop twice now in my life. Um, there's an interesting video online that they released of Hugh Jackman in looping Logan. What? Of him running through the forest. And it's kind of cool to see him like watching himself on screen running. Whoa. And him making the like breathing and the, the grunts and stuff. It's really interesting. That's um, cool. ADR stands for alternative... What's that, Des? Yeah, you know, the cameras, but you can't... They should have gotten a real she, So she said she's it. surprised that they did ADR for that. So uh, a couple of the reasons why you do that is um, in order to stay the same speed as him, depending on how you have your camera, oh, if yeah. you're on a steady cam, then you're hearing the footsteps of the steady cam guy. Um, if you're on a track, then you've got people that are running the track. Um, so I was saying, I'm surprised he did his own ADR. Oh, you're surprised he did his own ADR. Yeah, we, so yeah, like it wasn't like... Um, 
just Jason like, or someone that we yeah so we, we have a buddy Jason Pace who does uh, a lot of ADR for has he done ADR Marvel for Wolverine he I know he does like Thor whoa um yeah, he does. He does. Uh, I think he does all of the Johnny Depp stuff. That's not um, lines, actual dialogue. Wow! So yeah. all of Jack Sparrow's grunts and wheezes yeah. and woofs of woofses. Yeah. So alternative. Uh, I'm sorry. Automated dialogue replacement. That's what it is. Um. So, so Chrissy had to do ADR for, not Chrissy. Uh, Susan Backlinny. Backlinny. Had to do ADR for um, the scene, so apparently they gave her like a, I think it was a plastic or a metal baby bassinet. They filled up with water. Oh wow! And they had her in the studio, and they tilted her up, and they had, Spielberg was there with cu- pouring, getting cups of water out of there, and pouring water down her throat while she looked. Oh up my the gosh! I thought you were going to say she was just like splashing in it no. as she screamed. No, because there's a really, especially at the end when she goes down for that final time, you really oh, hear yeah. the water enter her throat and That's her gurgle. True. Oh god! Um, so they and apparently Richard Dreyfus showed up either to do his own ADR or to see Steven Spielberg, and. So he walked in on them, oh, <laughs> kind wow. of doing this, him basically waterboarding Almost, yeah. this, this woman. <laughs> Voluntarily waterboarding. Um, That's wild. Waterboarding well, before it was cool. Well, poor Chrissy is Jaws' first victim there off the shores of Amity Island. And this uh, gets good old Chief Martin Brody on the case, played by Roy Scheider. Yep. He's a brand new chief. He's new to the island. He wasn't born and raised there. They're never going to be islanders. He's never going to be an, <clears throat> an islander. Neither is his wife. And uh, he goes into work that day and gets a call about a corpse Yeah. found on the beach. Part of a corpse. Part of a corpse. And then we do get to see part of the corpse. Boy, do we. Uh, what does that look like? Real gross. You talking about while it's still on the beach? The arm, yeah. Yeah, it's like an arm, all like covered in sea stuff, and there's some like some living crabs walking around mm-hmm. on it and stuff, right? Seaweed. So gunk, gunk, yeah. Sand, some fake blood, wet sand, fake uh, blood, real crabs. So they had a, a fake arm, yeah, uh, which they show later in the film. Yeah, uh, Hooper the, examines it. Yeah, the Hooper examination. Uh, it, it looked like real shiny and plasticky to Steven Spielberg, and they were like, "Well, this is what would happen after it was out in the sun and Ooh. all this stuff. This is what it would look like." And he's like, "Yeah, clinically, I get it, but like an audience, as an audience member, I don't, I don't buy it, right? Um, because it looks fake." So he grabbed a female crew member and buried her partially in the sand. Oh wow! And used an actual hand. They put little um, like hermit crabs and stuff, Aww. little sand crabs on there, and. Uh, um, I can't remember if it was the cinematographer, but the crabs basically weren't moving. So um, the story they were just chilling. They yeah, they didn't really like they didn't really like much move okay. around. So the story is uh, this is a story. I don't know if it's true. Could be apocryphal. Uh, that um, somebody, maybe the cinematographer, um, poured hot coffee on them to get them to move around. Oh geez. Yeah. Oh, that's not nice. No, that's not nice at all. Because, I mean, think about how cold a crab's life normally is, you know? Yeah. Pretty cold. Yeah. Hot coffee would be absolute torture. Martin Brody's on the case. He's like, holy crud, I've just been told that this poor girl was killed by shark attack. Yeah. And I live on an island surrounded by ocean water. Right. Big water. Ocean water. We don't need that. (laughs) 
So he's like, I gotta shut my beaches down. He's got one other cop on the island with him. They get to work on trying to shut the beaches down. And then good old Mayor Larry Vaughn comes in uh-huh. with his anchor suit. That's a three-piece suit with little anchors embroidered all over it. And Carl Gottlieb is, is among the, the group. Carl Gottlieb. Is he the guy with the mustache? Kind of looks like uh, Rob Reiner. Yeah. That guy? Yeah. And they explain to him, like, Martin, it's almost 4th of July weekend, buddy. Like, you can't go shouting shark. You know, this could have been anything. Could have been a boat propeller. And the medical examiner is like, yeah, yeah, sure. It could have been a boat propeller. And uh, so Martin's like, okay, I'll play ball. Can I talk about that um, that scene that you're talking about? The fa- they're on that the they ferry? shoot on a little water taxi there? Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite shot in the entire movie. Yeah? Um, yeah, because so Brody gets... You know, he walks onto the ferry and then the car drives up and then, like, five guys get out of it. And the shot starts out as a, we probably call it, like, a medium to three-quarter shot, like, three-quarters of their bodies. And there's four guys all having a conversation. Yeah. And then um, uh, Larry, Mayor Larry pulls Martin and... uh, I can't remember the other guy, Carl Gottlieb's Gottlieb, yeah. uh, character, pulls them a little bit away, and the fourth guy walks back to the other part of the ferry. The shot continues, but now it's a, it's a proper medium shot. And then the mayor pulls to talk. Yeah, you hear music outside. People have their music really loud. The mayor pulls um, Brody all the way up to the camera to have a conversation, just the two of them, and it turns into like a medium close-up shot. And in this, you know, Spielberg just left the camera at the end of this boat and you get to see the the horizon change that part's awesome um and you kind of and the other characters are kind of doing their own thing but he basically allowed them to do three different shots without ever cutting the camera yeah um and i and i think you know we're we're going on this sort of spielberg odyssey and talking about why he's so iconic of a director Early in his career, and we talked about some things with Duel that were similar to this. So early in his career, he understood the power of composition and how to let your surroundings and your actors change composition without having to move the camera. Right. Um, he 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 does something very flashy in a very unflashy way, and it's um, you can say that again. It's man. the reason I, I I you know so much of this movie is just like a piece. Every shot's like sort of this piece of art. Yeah, some of it's accidental and some of it's. Well, wasn't there something special that literally is like, like a shot by shot dissection of Jaws floating around on the internet somewhere? Oh, I don't know. It's pretty intense stuff. Probably should watch it. I'll I forget for what it. it's called, but yeah, when you find it, you'll know because it's literally like. And here's what happens in these thirty seconds of Jaws. Right. We're going to spend seven minutes talking about it. It's very, very in depth, as yeah. they say. I don't well, know. I, I love that. I mean, obviously, there's some other stuff like the Zolly shot on the Zolly beach. Zolly shot. We'll get to that in a little bit. It's like some people call it the Jaws shot, but it's not. It wasn't originated shot. by Steven Spielberg. Oh, is that? Yeah, it's when you. Yeah, it's, it's great it's stuff. It's when you track in um, very quickly. So you have your. Let's talk about when we get to the beat, that beach. Right. Um, just remind me to talk about it. All right. So the chief agrees to play ball. They're going to go ahead and let people swim. Mm hmm. On their 4th of July. I guess we're at that beach scene now. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, is, is, it, is, it, 
It's not even it's not Fourth of July, July yet. yet, but it's real close. Yeah, they're going to keep the beaches open. Yeah, and so uh, they're keeping the beaches open. Chief is on the beach in his trunks with his lady. Kids are probably around somewhere, and Chief is just super nervous, keeping his eyes on the water. Harry's out in the water. He sees Bad Hat Harry swimming. Yeah, he dips under a lady who's doing a back float. There's uh, a lot of like little sort of like false alarms. Yeah, things that like. You know, a girl starts screaming. It turns out a guy's underneath her, like, lifting yeah, her up out of the water. And, doing a chicken fight yeah. with no opponent. Um, guy's playing with his dog, playing fetch with his dog. Yeah. With a stick. Pippin? Sure. Something like that? Something along those lines. And then, sweet, sweet Pippin doesn't come back from the water. Yeah. Um, so, I wanted to address a couple things with this. Yeah. Um... The Pippin thing, I'm going to kind of wait a little bit because it's reminiscent oh. of another scene that right. happens. Um, the dock scene. Sure. Was that before or after this? I think after. Okay. Because, yeah, because the dock scene, they'd already put the bounty out. Okay. Um, but, uh, so the, with all the false alarms and you're seeing his perspective, um, he's, he's watching out and he keeps sort of getting distracted and Spielberg does this really cool thing where um, you're seeing this continuous sort of take of him. Yeah. But there's actually multiple, like, angles. It's like it comes in closer and closer to him. And that's done by, like, a wipe of somebody walking yeah. across the frame. And he uses the same color of clothes to mirror a shot of Brody looking out at the water right. and also Brody's perspective. So if somebody it walks from the right side of the camera to the left in a yellow sw- in the yellow swim trunks, right? When it it you cut around to see the other side and it's going to cut back to Brody again, yeah. It you see the same yellow trunks walking the opposite direction, yeah. So he either uses yellow or he uses blue. The colors don't really matter so much, other than the fact that he tried to stay away from red too much. Ah, um, there's a lot of sense. red in the film, but he, he asked the production designers to like. Purposely, if it's not like a flag or, or a product placement or whatever, so well, stay gallons red. and gallons of blood. And that's why. <laughs> that's why. It's because he wanted the blood to yeah. be significant. Because um, a little boy's about to yeah, fall victim to Jaws. On a yellow raft. On a yellow raft. His name's Alex Kintner or Kittner? Kit, I, you know. I feel like there's two ends, but there might only be one. And when Kint, Jaws gets... Kintner. Kintner. Yeah. When Jaws gets a hold of him, he seems to be made entirely of blood. Yeah, so much blood comes up into the water, and it's great because you it's don't so god awful. You don't get a really great view of it, right? It's it's quick and it's obstructed, and um, there's a lot of reaction to it. Yeah, which is great. And this is also the moment where it shows a really wide shot of like. Him in the water and this like somersaulting thing happens, yeah. but you can't tell. Like, is that Jaws's dorsal fin and tail fin right. going crazy? Is that the kid on his on his you know inflatable raft, which is flipping like a over. square shape, and it's flipping in such a way that it looks like these wild spikes are circling through the water? Real cool shot, but it's like it's that fast, yeah. and then it's people on the beach being, "Hey, what the heck was that?" Well, and the image poor I always, Alex becomes chow. The image I always have in my head of that too is. He comes up and back, 
Yeah. And then he gets slammed face forward down with his arms up in the air into oh, the water. Oh, God, that's right. Um, so and scary. there's this blood gushing out. It's, it's a really impressive and visceral kind of thing. So, we've, so the dog's missing, and the, you know, the first, that's our first, like, uh oh. This is somebody's about to get eaten. A shark, yeah. Uh, and you, you see the stick just floating in the water. Yeah. Um, and then after everybody's come out of the water, and Alex's mom is looking for him, the the yellow raft that's all torn up and bloody comes washing up into the yeah. on the shore. Again, just this solitary item just kind of floating. That's kind of like, you didn't need a ton... First of all, you didn't need a ton of seeing Alex get eaten. Right. But like everything you need to know is in this like torn up raft that's yep. floating in bloody water. It's really, really impressive. Um, really impressive and kind of depressing. You know, like in the in the 90s... Um, Which may or may not have existed. The the Lee Fierro who who played Mrs. Kittner, yeah, uh, was um, she walked into a like a fish rest like a seafood, seafood restaurant. All right, and they had a sandwich on the board that was called um, the Alex Kittner sandwich. No, and she was like, I pl-, she told the, the person there, I played the mom, and yeah. they went back and got the owner. And the owner comes out, and it was the little boy who played Alice Kintner, who played her son. They had not seen each other since they were filming together. How cool is that? That's wonderful. Yeah, isn't it? That's Hollywood magic. Yeah, it really is. That's the real magic of what? That's that's great. That's so great. I got to get a sandwich named after <laughs> one of my characters. Little, little boy who, who dies in the water, by the way. Yeah. The actor's name, Jeffrey Voorhees. Ooh! Do you think he's an inspiration for Jason? I don't think so. Is he a Jason inspiration? I don't think. I don't know, but I don't think so. I mean, we got a Jay Voorhees and a Jay Voorhees dying in the water. We might be onto something here. Yeah. Um, it is uh, getting late. Ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> this, is a, this is a Jaws episode. Let's I talk know, about Jaws. But holy shnikes. All right, well, so, we'll so, so now the whole town knows. We so, got a real bad shark on our hands. And this was the scene that we had the Zolly shot. Okay. Um, so a Zolly, it's called a bunch of different things. Uh, I refer to it as Zolly. That's how, it, when I first learned about it, I learned it as a Zolly. It's a zoom, zooming Dolly. So oh, you have okay. um, tracks laid down. The camera's on a, a wheeled dolly um, on the tracks. And as you move in very quickly on the actor, with you're physically moving toward them, you are also at the same time zooming out right. on a zoom lens. So what that does is it brings the actor to the foreground in a very flat manner, and it, it stretches and takes the background and moves it further away. Yeah. Um, and it always looks cool. Yeah, and it was done first, to my understanding, um, in Vertigo, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Oh. Jimmy Stewart looks down this, the staircase, and the staircase just sort of like drops away. Yeah. That's the first use of the Zolly. Awesome. Such a great shot. Yep. I can't think of a time when I've seen one of those and thought, well, that was stupid. Like it, it, no. it I mean, always is super effective. It's always effective. I've seen bad. I've seen them like executed poorly. Yeah. Um, you know where if Home Alone too. If if the if the zoom and the dolly movement don't match in yeah. speed, um, it your subject goes out of fo- in and out of focus very quickly, um, and that can be distracting. Um, I've seen them too short. 
You oh. know, like, oh, we've got we did a three foot, you know, walk in and zoom, and that's, that's a strange choice. Yeah. Um, although I'll tell you where it's been some of the most interesting ones I've seen are reverse dollies. Oh, where you you dolly out and zoom in. I saw an episode of House did it, and a few other things. Um, where the background's really far away and like comes in real close, and it just it's uh, it it messes with your brain because you've only seen it the other way around, yeah. and you're not really under, understanding like what just happens. You so know? this is camera pulls out, lenses zoom in. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I've. I mean, I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't know if I've like registered that I'm seeing the mm-hmm. zolly done backwards. Right. Wow. I wonder. I wonder where. So, so that was the. That was the the famous shot. Some people refer to it as the Jaws, the, the Jaws, Jaws shot. shot. Understandably so, because it's used. It's done so well, so damn well. It's a nice long one. It's pretty much perfect in execution. Right, damn near close. It uh, drastically communicates Martin's fear, the realization of the like realization, something horrible has happened. The like. You know, uh, 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 restraining of his own panic in that moment. I think. I think it's like incredible. You know, the why a longer one and a shorter one doesn't. Why a longer one works and a shorter one doesn't is because it's almost like you're watching somebody fall fall off of something and hit the ground, and the camera stays with them until they hit the ground. That makes a lot of good sense. Um, and so the shorter it is, the the least less it seems like they fell. And the longer it is, the bigger the distance it seems like they fell, if that Yikes. makes sense. Which is sure. why, again, why it works really well in Vertigo is because it just makes the staircase, which isn't that big, it's only a few flights, um, it makes it seem like it's a hundred flights. Yeah. You know? Yikes. i got to see Vertigo again. Is that in the bucket? I don't think so because you've seen it. Yeah, but I was so young. Were we ever so young? <laughs> The whole town's in an uproar. We yeah. got a shark attack on our hands, and it's almost Fourth of July. Yep. What's going to happen? Is this jerk police chief going to close the beaches and possibly ruin our entire years? Well, they have a, a committee talk about that. Very question, right. don't they? They got Chief Larry Vaughn. No, his dudes, Mayor, Mayor Larry Vaughn, his dudes, Chief Martin Brody, and the townsfolk, the, the business owners, there. the newspaper. Yeah. And, and Martin's like, yo, I gotta close this beach. And then Maravon's like, oh, but only for 24 hours. It's only gonna be 24 hours. And he's like, I didn't agree to that. I didn't agree to that. I'm Roy Scheider over here. The people are in an uproar. One lady exclaims, 24 hours? That's like three weeks. Yeah. Because losing that much business during vacation season is gonna be a problem. And then what do we hear that draws everybody's attention? The nails on the chalkboard. That everybody hates. Quince nails mm. raking down a chalkboard over a sh- a chalk. I almost said over a shark drawing of a chalk eating a man, but you yeah. get it. Yep. You know that's not how they were originally going to introduce Quint. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Quint originally was going to be seen in a movie theater watching um, Moby Dick. I think it's Gregory Peck. Oh. Um, and there's like it's like real. Poor special effects. It's you know, it's like a mechanical shark and mechanical guy like stabbing it. Yeah. Um, and he was gonna be laughing at this scene, just maniacally laughing at how absurd it is. Like Cape and, Fear. 
and everybody in the theater slowly getting out until the camera comes out and he's the only one in the theater and you can hear him laughing all the way down the street. That was that was the original introduction of of Quint. Wow. Um, I like this version that they ended up having in it because it gave us the the mo- sort of monologue about you know yeah okay. I value my life more than three thousand bucks. Yeah. I'll find him for three. I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Yeah. That's the whole shark. You get the head, the tail. The whole um, damn thing. The whole damn thing. He's uh, sitting there in the back of the room, um, just chilling, eating pocket snacks. Pocket snacks. Either. And uh, yeah, and explaining snacks. like he says, you people know who I am. You know how I make my living. Shark hunting, that's how. So Quint is the man for the job. Unfortunately, the whole town knows that Alex's mom has put out a $3,000 bounty on the oh shark. Boy. And whoever brings her that shark gets 3000 bucks. So every yutz knuckle around town is like, I know where a boat is. And they all overflow these boats. People from out of town, too. People from out of town come in trying to, trying to catch Jaws. But who else comes in from out of town? Well, Hooper comes in. Yeah. And he crosses paths with Ben Gardner. Ben Gardner. Ben Gardner helps him out of his boat. That's true. I, that is Ben Gardner. Yeah. That's where we first see him. And boy, oh boy, when we last see him, yikes. You know, there's something I keep thinking about that I, I'm worried. I, I probably should save to the end, but i kind of worried that I'm going to forget about it. Okay. Um, and that's uh, Chief Brody's uniform and his truck. Yeah? Um, you have seen both of those items very recently in a recent production of a television series. Belvedere 2000? Think about uh, a character that's so much like Chief Brody that's on TV now. Currently. Do you want me to just just go for it? I mean, I know who it is, but I need at least one more joke. Okay, you want to make one more joke? Gilbert Godfrey. No, come on. No, it's got to be the Chief from Stranger Things. Yeah, Chief Hopper. So he drives the same kind of truck without the top taken off. Oh, yeah, okay. And um, his uniform... Including the badge, the uh, um, Hawkins, the Hawkins police badge is the tri- same triangle shape. Oh, cool! As uh, as Chief Brody's. Real cool, but Brody didn't have that cool hat. Brody doesn't have that the Hopper cool... wears. No, that's true. That's that true. cool, like not quite a cowboy hat, not quite an Indiana Jones hat, just kind yeah. of a. I'm sorry to take us off track of it. Flat hat. No, I love. You know, I love a Stranger Things tie-in, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I know it's TV also, but I, it's. It's like a small thing that they did on that show that I thought was really cool that tied into Jaws, so I yeah. thought we should at I'm, least mention it. I'm okay with it, dude. I like it. Boy, oh boy, everybody's jumping into the water trying to catch this shark. Oceanographer Matt Hooper shows up, mm-hmm. played by Richard Dreyfus, and he's going to help Brody figure out what kind of shark this was. And yeah. when you know it, that same day, right after Mrs. Kintner smacks Chief Brody in the face... Because he knew a girl had died from a shark attack a couple days well, before. Was after the shark is caught. Is. Oh yeah, that's true. The slap is the slap is after the shark is caught. She then shows up to see the shark. Him. All right. So before that, these mm-hmm. guys catch a great big shark, and it's only a tiger shark. And good old uh, Hooper is like, I'm telling you, the bite radius isn't big enough. I'm pretty sure that's not the shark we're looking for. Then Mrs. Kintner shows up. She smacks Chief well, Martin Brody he, in the face. Missed the dock thing too. What other doc thing? The doc thing where they, they take the roast out, the Sunday roast. Right? Oh, see, I thought that happened after. Okay, that's I think before it was before. As well. 
Oh. I think it's before they catch the shark. I thought that was after. Pretty sure. Let's talk about it real quick because it's not it's not super consequential or anything. Right. It's a funny uh, moment. It's a scary moment. It's a great moment. It's one of my again one of my favorite moments because it ties in with the dog and the raft. Yeah. Um. The so two yutzes go out onto the dock. They steal the guy's wife's Sunday roast. And, or do they? And uh, they put it on a hook and a chain and they and a rubber tire or a inner tube. Yeah. They throw it out in the water and they wait. And eventually, Bruce shows up. He sure does. And uh, you see the chain being yanked off the desk, like the coil of chain just going and going and going until the whole end of the dock gets yanked off into the water with one of the men on it. Yeah. Um, and the moment I love is the guy gets floats off the dock and starts to swim back, and you see the dock going off into the distance, and then all of a sudden it stops. Yeah. And then the dock slowly turns around. Yeah. Almost like a face. And starts heading back toward him. That's um, great. And it's that same same thing with the the stick and the the raft that yeah. he's using this like floating piece of debris to signal to the audience like exactly what's going ha- going to happen. You know what is going on in the scene. Yeah, the shark is there. We can't see him because he's underwater. Yeah, but he's there and he's hungry. Yeah, that roast That's I guess a- was actually pretty satisfying because because yeah. then Homie made it to shore and. Yeah. Didn't get chomped. He didn't get chomped. Uh, that's actually a scene that Steven Spielberg wrote, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's part of his original. There's a, there's a bunch of things that got cut, you know. Um, the, his original opening was like a harbor master. Um, uh-huh. It's actually a really cool idea. It's a harbor master. Um, he's, he needs to wash out his p- coffee pot. And he's watching, he's watching a, a movie on, the, on TV. It was like a, a subtle reference to dark things in the water. I can't remember what it's called, but... Um, all the the boats are docked. The sailboats are are docked. Yeah, at the harbor, and he goes out to rinse out his coffee pot. And he reaches down to the water to, and he and he looks up as he's rinsing it out, and he sees the first mast move. Whoa! And then the second mast move, and then the three masts are going at the same time, and then four, and then so on. And so all of the masks are, are making are moving, and it's all a straight line pointing right at this guy who's about yeah. to get get eaten and pulled into the water. That's a crazy idea. It's a really great idea. It's, it's, it's so, like, visually interesting, but um, they ended up going with Chrissy, which I'm glad they did. I think they went with something a little bit more simple, um, a little more subtle, and it, and it really allowed us to really, like, take in the music. Yeah. Ooh. But, yeah. Getting the creeps thinking about poor Chrissy. So the doc thing happens. The cat, some, some yahoos catch a shark. To catch a... Tiger shark. Gummy-mouthed tiger shark. Gummy-mouthed tiger shark, indeed. And Hooper's Mrs. like, telling you guys, that's not the one. Sorry. And Mrs. Kintner shows up. She smacks Chief Martin Brody in the face. Slaps him for real. Yeah, you can hear it. It took 17 ticks. God, really? Yeah, she, she didn't know. She couldn't properly do a fake slap, so she had to slap him for real. Oh, my God. And it took them 17 ticks. No, thanks. Yeah, because it's... It's such a dense thud that she makes across the side of his face. Uh, a cringe. A cringe every time. So then Martin's having dinner and he's all bummed out. You know, a kid got lost on his watch. He's having dinner with his youngest son. They're doing a funny little monkey see, monkey do game. And Hooper shows up. I really like that moment, too. It's, it's a very cute sweet. moment. Yeah, you know, it's a... Well, I like that he says, 
give me a kiss. And the kid says, why? And he says, because I need it. Because I need it. That's the moment. That's a sweet moment. Hooper shows up with wine. Martin drinks a whole lot of that wine. And he says, we're going to go down to the docks. We're going to find that tiger shark hanging up on that hook. We're going to cut into it and see what it's eaten, which is all Hooper's idea. But Brody's saying, we're going to go ahead and do that. Yeah. And they do. And they discover that shark's eating a couple of fish and a license plate from Louisiana and not a whole lot else. Which means the shark migrated from, from Gulf, southern waters. Gulf waters, yeah. Yeah. A can. There's a, there's a tin soup can <laughs> yeah. in there. So then they get on Hooper's sweet, sweet boat. And they go looking for... Oh, they think the shark is probably out there right now, being territorial. Because it seems to be a night feeder. Patrolling the waters, yeah, looking for a snack. Well, they found what Jaws found. Ben Gardner's boat. Ben Gardner's boat. Yeah. And Hooper jumps into the water, dressed to go scuba diving, but he doesn't take any tanks with him. And he swims on down with a flashlight. What does he find there? He finds a tooth. A big... Great white tooth and uh, Ben Gardner. Ben Gardner's head. Yeah, I think he's actually. You know, I was really watching. I think he might still be attached to Ben Gardner's body. Okay. You really only see his head, but I was really looking this time because that head <clears throat> or a replica of that head shows up on a famous television series. It does. It shows up in The Walking Dead. No way. There's a scene where there's a bunch of heads. Spoiler alert. Maybe it's years ago now. Oh, um, I know exactly which scene you're talking about. There's a about. bunch of heads in, in glass jars. Yeah, that was like season two or three. Uh, it was like four, but... So long. Um, but they're on eight now, so... So long. Uh, yeah, and so they used Ben Gardner's head as one of the heads as sort of an Easter egg, which I thought was kind of cool. That is cool. Good old Ben Gardner and his saltwater head. <laughs> okay. So... Hooper uh, drops the tooth. Yeah, because he's scared. And he's Resurfaces. Like, he's like, we got a problem, <laughs> We got a problem. They try to tell the mayor, and the mayor's just like, do you have the tooth with you? Martin, did you see the tooth? Where's this tooth? How do I know if I'm supposed to believe you guys? And Hooper has had enough of his nonsense, and he points out the vandalized billboard, and about how... Larry points out the billboard. He's mad about the billboard. Yeah. He's like, catch the real criminals, who are the people that vandalized this. Vandalized this billboard. Which... Yeah. It's another another moment where... Sorry to interrupt. There's another moment where... The actor's movement dictates the shot, dictates, oh. dictates the composition. So it starts, um, and it, it, there is a camera movement here. There's a camera pan, but it's the actors start out talking about this thing, and then we get the reveal of the of the billboard as they move around. Yeah, which is uh, another just. It's a great moment because we see we see the billboard move. in its original form a few minutes earlier. Sure. And it's this big beautiful billboard. It's a beautiful girl on a raft, yeah. having a swim, and now it's a big black shark fin. Swimming up to her, and somebody's painted a terrified face over her face, and and then uh, what is it? Hooper says, like, you see that fin up there? That's an actual scale model size. Yeah. Which I'm assuming he means compared to the living the, men the that woman. are standing there. Yeah. Because the woman on the billboard's huge. Oh yeah. The fin's not all that big compared to her, but um, it's a huge fin and it's scary. Gosh, what happens next? Now it's Fourth of July weekend. Now it's Fourth of July weekend. Um, they have not closed the beach. They have not closed the waters. Yeah. Hooper, or not Hooper, Brody has gotten a ton of out-of-state help. Right. To come in and, or out-of-city help, to patrol the waters. Hooper's out there in a boat. They're keeping an eye. Nobody's going on the water. Yeah, everybody's scared. 
Mayor, Mayor Larry Vaughn talks one of his like, upper middle aged friends yeah. into going swimming. They take their grandkids out. They take their grandkids into the water with them. I think if I was grandpa, I would have been like, I'll go alone. You guys stay yeah. on the beach. But no, they insist on taking their grandchildren into the water with them when they know there's now been three deaths. Ben Gardner, ben Alex Gardner, Kittner, and Chrissy. Chrissy and Pippin the dog. Well, you put, yeah. They didn't really talk about him because he died yeah. right before three human Alex Kittner. Scary times, man. So, so everybody sees them and goes, oh, it's cool to go in the water. So everybody goes in the water. Must be fun. And then we see a fin. Well, before we see the fin, yeah. we see uh, Brody's kid, Michael, with his brand new his birthday present. birthday present, a little sailboat. A and his dad says, can you go in the pond? And he's like, the pond's for old ladies. He's like, I know it's for old ladies, but just do me a favor, go in the, the pond instead. And the pond... Is sort of like it's an estuary. It's yeah. sort of mostly cut off from the rest of the water. Right. Um, not cut off enough. Not cut off friend. enough. Uh, so, so Michael takes the boat over there. Yeah. Little brother kind of tags along but stays on the beach. Thank goodness. Then we see the fin. We see a fin out in the water, out near all the regulars, all the beach regulars, and uh, people start panicking. Mm-hmm. Adults are pushing little kids out of the way, shoving them in the water, flipping their rafts over, being yeah. chickens, trying to get to shore. Stepping on old people who've fallen down. Stepping on old people, and then the fin flips over, and there's two rascally kids under it yeah, wearing wetsuits. And uh, the one kid rats his buddy out. They got guns in their faces. And so everyone's like, oh, it was just a hoax. It was just a hoax. Everything's fine, right? End of movie, right? Everything's fine. Then there's a young lady over Uh by the estuary. What is she doing? She's painting or something? Yeah, I I don't always think she's painting. I don't know. Some hippie. She spots Jaws. When I like her... Swimming. Her frightened reaction to it, she's like almost not really yelling. Yeah. She's She's too petrified. Yeah. Shark. Yeah, she can barely get the word out. And there it goes, hauling ass. We just see dorsal fin and tail fin, and then it sinks. And it's uh, and we see Michael and his buddies on their little boat, and one other gentleman on, in a little tiny red rowboat. The tiniest red rowboat yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Good for the pond, you know. Good for the estuary. You know, catch some so, minnows yeah. or something. Okay, there you go. Um, so that scene has a deleted scene that was that was a, a filmed scene. Um, that is a different version of of how that, that whole thing ends up. And Steven Spielberg cut it because he felt it was too gross or too graphic. Too, um, it went too far. Uh-oh. Um, so in the scene that happens, um, the guy in the rowboat gets knocked out of his boat. The other kids get knocked off their boat. And then the guy gets eaten. Yeah. Uh, and... And the shark, I think, bumps Michael. I believe so. Under the water. You don't exactly see it. You know it's going by him. Yeah. Bumps him um, unconscious under the water. They end up dragging Michael out. Um, so what ends up happening, uh, from what I understand, I've seen a little bit of the footage. It was a little unclear based on the description that I've read. But uh. that uh, the guy in the boat gets... Caught in the jaws yeah. of the shark, and he's being brought to the kid oh. straight on, and 
I think the way I read it was supposed to happen was he reaches up for the kid and just as their hands are about to reach, he's about to pull the kid in oh with him. Oh my gosh. The shark pulls him under and he dies. Whoa. The footage I saw, he's actually holding Michael in the water and they're both moving oh my God. forward and there's like blood and stuff and he's screaming and bleeding out of his mouth and, and he's holding the kid and eventually the shark pulls him under and he lets Michael go and Michael goes off to the side. Wow. Um, so I'm sure you can look online for that that footage, that deleted scene. And I think I have find to. It. That's um, really terrifying. Yeah. So Spielberg thought it was too far, so he he cut it and, and redid the scene. I can agree with that. And I think the way it happens in the movie is pretty effective, you know? It's like we can see Michael is completely shocked and frightened. Yeah. Because he well, knows what's going down. Well, you know, the Ben Gardner head is um, also an added thing. It was added after the fact. Oh, really? Um, so... He uh, noticed the reaction in a test screening, an early screening, with um, a scene that hasn't we haven't talked about yet. But when um, Brody is chumming the water, and then he sees the shark for the f- shark pops up for the first time, yeah. the reaction that the audience had for that that he loved that so much, and he has referred to it as he got greedy oh. and wanted at least one more jump scare, so he added the Ben Gardner head in. I see. Uh, okay, so um, they. So another another death. Yeah. Um, this time Brody's, an adult has been killed. Yeah, Brody's kid's in the hospital. Larry feels really bad. Brody forces him to sign the essentially the work invoice yeah. to pay for Quint to hunt down and kill this sucker. Quint's getting 10000 bucks, baby. Yeah, 200 bucks a day, whether he catches it or not. And a case of apricot brandy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hooper and Brody go with him. Yeah, they do. They get they they work it all out with Quint. Quint's kind of he gives he gives Hooper a real hard time because Quint's a really a, hard time. A city guy. He's got city hands. He yeah. says, You've um, "Been counting money all your life." Doesn't think he's a real sailor. Yeah, he hasn't been on the water for reals enough. Quint essentially turns down the opportunity to go um, study sharks on the Andromeda. Hooper does. Hooper does. I'm sorry, not Quint. No, I get you. Apologize. Uh, Hooper basically turns. He has this opportunity to go study great whites. And we hear him on the phone briefly to explain why he's still with them. That, why would I go all the way to Australia to study Great Whites? I've got one right here. Yeah. Um, so uh, so they end up on the on the Orca with Quint. And we get a little farewell. Like, we see all of Hooper's stuff being brought on, including the, the shark cage, the anti-shark cage. Oh, yeah. And the harpoons and things and trackers. And then we see... Um, uh, Mrs. Brody bringing him to uh, say goodbye to him. You know, what do I tell the kids? They don't kiss goodbye. They, they do. They do no, kiss they goodbye. hug. Oh, they, they didn't kiss? They, they only did. hug, and I find that very upsetting. I could have sworn they kissed. I remember watching it, and I was like, and kiss? Huh. Are they going to kiss? Is it because they're interrupted kiss. by Quint? They just hug for a really long time. Yeah. But then Quint, Quint starts singing, and then he has a thing. Um, the uh, Mary... Mary Lee. Mary Lee. Here Do you lies. want me to recite it? Yeah, you, you recite it. You remember it, right? I believe it's, uh, here, here lies the body of Mary Lee, died at the age of 103. For 15 years, she kept her virginity. Not a bad record for this vicinity. He says record, which is funny to me. Yeah. Not uh, a bad record for this vicinity. So there's a funny thing with that. Yeah. Um, so he, he did that line. It was ad-libbed by Robert Shaw. Oh, yeah? Who 
from all accounts, seems to have been a very difficult person to have worked with. He was an alcoholic. He was drunk a lot of the time. He did, greatly disliked um, Richard Dreyfus and was oh. constantly antagonizing him. Oh, jeez. Um, he, uh, there's another thing I'll talk about when we get to the scene on the Orca in a little bit, but so Spielberg went up to him and said, hey, what is that from? Is that from a song or something? Because we got to get it cleared. I don't know if we can actually use it. We meant to do it again. Apparently, it's an epitaph from a gravestone that Robert Shaw had actually seen in Ireland. Wow. So that that funny little uh, body yeah. rhyme so, is... Sort of a limerick. It's almost like, like a dirty limerick, exactly. yeah. Um, was he, on somebody's tombstone. He saw that on an actual tombstone. That's... Uh... Upsetting. Yeah. So they go out to sea. And they go shark hunting. Yeah. All the way. Um, If that that makes sense. Yeah. They hunt that shark all the way. So we get... uh, Brody sees the shark we just talked about. He's throwing the chum out. And then the shark pops up. And his head pops up in a frame. And it's it's a really great shot. And then he slowly backs into the cabin to talk to Quint. What does he, he tell Quint? He says, you're going to need a bigger boat. Thank you for getting it right. Everybody um, gets it wrong. You think it's because they say, we, we're Every, going to need a bigger boat. Everybody says, we're. Yeah, you're going to need a bigger boat. Um, which is something that kind of comes up several times that they don't really um, focus too much on. But it's sort of like Quint eventually has it with right. him wanting this bigger boat. Um, but... That line is not in the script. It was, oh. it's, one of, it's probably the most famous ad lib line in movie history. Nice. I guess. Um, yeah, Roy Scheider. Way to go, Roy Scheider. Yep. That's why he was the sorcerer. Okay. Roy That's. It is an epic line, you know? It's like, because Jaws is huge. That's when they first, then they go out and see him, and that's when... Hooper and Quint finally both lay eyes on the thing. And Hooper says, it's 20 feet. And Quint says, 25. Three tons on him. Yep. That's 6,000 pounds of shark. So they they uh, they dart him with uh, one of the, the weights, the buoys. Yeah. So designed to bounce. tire the shark out and keep him from being able to dive down and be under, be under the water for too long. Doesn't seem to work. Doesn't seem to work. Um, there's a really great like tense moment where Hooper's supposed to tie the... The uh, harpoon or the dart to the buoy, and he leaves and goes and gets a tracker. Yeah, it doesn't really seem to amount to much at the end of the day. You know, you're a hundred percent right about that. Um, Other than it, kind of having then in later shots when the barrels are approaching the boat again, we get a little blip, and a little a blip. But you blip. got a yellow barrel. Um, yeah, I think it's more of just like a character thing, um, and to create the intensity. So he goes to get the tracker, and he gets that tied on. Then he gets the thing tied on just in time to shoot the shark. They shoot him in the fin. Yeah. He takes that buoy with him. Um, And not much else happens that day, right? Um, Yeah, pretty much, because then then it goes to nighttime. They're having the big old little little party inside the boat, getting a little drunk, telling war stories. He tells us the famous monologue about the Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, Hooper, that's the SS Indianapolis. Which is probably, like, the bit of dialogue that people, like, revere the most about. Like, there's the, I'll find him for three, catch him for ten, there's that. Yeah. There's the famous line that we just talked about, though you're going to need a bigger boat. But then this monologue that he delivers is just, like, so expertly done. It's long. Um, I transcribed it once. Yeah. It's a lot of monologue. 
so the interesting thing about that is he was drunk off his ass when they oh, really? shot that, and they couldn't. He couldn't get it. It Whoa. was a complete total disaster. Um, they left for the night. He called Steven Spielberg up and apologized Aww. for his behavior and said, "Can I can I have another shot?" Yeah. They came in the next day. He nailed it in one take. Nice. Interesting. I mean, you know, the, there's a lot of like talk about sort of like how difficult he was to work with, but uh, I can't remember if it was Roy Scheider, somebody, or maybe maybe even um, uh, Richard Dreyfuss. I don't think it was Richard Dreyfuss. I think it might have been Roy Scheider said um, he was a complete gentleman joy to work with when he was sober. Oh. Um, unfortunately, apparently, he was not sober most of the time. Yeah. Um, Dang. I, I did see recently a video of um, Richard Dreyfus doing an interview in England. I was on some talk show. Yeah. And the 14-year-old, like, granddaughter of Robert Shaw was there. Oh, wow. And Richard Dreyfus got very emotional Aww. about it. Um, because... Robert Shaw was like an idol to him. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird situation going... Like, Richard Dreyfuss wasn't going to do this movie either, originally. He he turned it down. Um, he was like, this is going to be a bitch to make. Yeah. I'd rather watch it than, than live it. Um, <laughs> and and eventually he ended up agreeing to do it. Um, I, the, 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 I saw an interview with Richard Dreyfuss and he said, um, I turned it down. He said all that stuff. And then I went... And I was in another movie, and I saw myself on this, like, 90-foot screen, and I, I was, like, terrified by it because I was so horrible. Oh. And I immediately went back and called Steven Spielberg and said, I'll do the part if, if, you'll, if you'll still have me. Wow. And that's how he came to do Jaws. Cool. Yeah. That's a sweet story. Yeah. But, so anyways. God, I hope I never turn down a Jaws, you know what I mean? Uh, so right. far, I've never turned down anything. Right. Uh, when that's it comes a good way to, to not turn down a Jaws. Um, so they have uh, they they compare scars. Yeah. We have the Indianapolis moment. We have um, uh, fair Spanish ladies as well as show me the way to go home. Yeah, I'm tired and I got a bed. And then Jaws hears them enjoying themselves. Yeah, from deep deep down under the sea. Maybe Cthulhu told them they're having a party up there. Yeah, and he shows up and starts smashing the hell out of the underside of that boat, causing it to leak. It's scary. And we get um, two outdoor shots of the skyline, and you, you notice something for the first time that you had never seen before. Oh, yeah. So I've watched Jaws a lot mm-hmm. in my life. Um, and there we were, watching it this time. And as we see that outside shot, this bright pink shooting star goes across the screen. Mm-hmm. And then it happens again from a different angle. Now, I'm assuming it was two... Cameras capturing it from different angles. Certainly, well, one was a certainly the, one the, was a um, like a close up on Roy Scheider. And the other was uh, an like a a long shot or like what would it was the end of a scene, so it wasn't exactly an establishing shot, but it would be sort of kind of that establishing yeah, shot like, style. Like uh, you know, night is finally settling over the Orca. That's yeah, of thing. yeah. Um, and so you see another one. Um, I don't know what time of year... And Spielberg has gone on record saying that those, that actually happened. Wow. Um, I don't know if it was two cameras. I don't think so because we don't see any other cameras. I think we would have seen cameras in the exterior shot. Very good point. Um, so logic tells me they were different shots. I don't know what time of year... Uh, it was winter, so... Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because I'm pretty sure they, they shot those scenes... 
Yeah. In like the winter or springtime. I don't think they shot wow. it in the summertime. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Cold I mean, unless they were on Falls Lake or something. Um, I could be wrong. They could have shot it. I mean, if it was August, it could have been like the Perseids or something like that. Mm. But I don't know. Um, we know it wasn't Haley's Comet. No, no. It was definitely like just a shooting star. It's cool, though. Um, Such a great little discovery in there. So, uh, so then what happens? Things go wrong. Uh, the shark leaves them for a bit. We cut to the, you know, it's daytime and Quint and Hooper are both down below deck working on the engine. Um, um, Martin is, what's he even doing? But he spots the barrels come up again. And he yeah. tells him, like, guys, the barrels are back. <clears throat> so now they're going into full shark fight mode. Yeah. Uh, oh, he, he chews the barrel off of one. The shark chews the barrel off. He chews the barrel off. Oh, yeah, and this is also when they get him with three barrels. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then... They tie it to the ship. Yeah. And then Jaws starts pulling the boat backwards yeah. like a bat out of hell through the ocean. And they are just like, they're getting wrecked. I mean, he's already punched holes in the hull. Now he's yanking the boat through the water. The bottom is filling up extra fast. Um, things are going bad. So they decide. Well, they try, to, they try to outrun him, right? They try to outrun him. Well, they try to outmuscle him with the engine. Yeah. But he's just pulling and then they... They almost blow out the engine. So they stop. Quint gets a machete, cuts the lines loose. No, I think he, I think he doesn't get, to get there with the machete in time. I think, oh. I think what happens is, as he gets up there with the machete, the, um, the what do they call it? Oh, the cleats break the cleats, off. The cleats, yeah. Both the cleats break off. And so he doesn't actually get to use the machete. And he, he drops the machete down, blade into the, um, into the side of the deck, yeah. which is kind of important for later. Now, yeah, and so have they burned the engine out, or are they about to burn the engine? No, I think out now they're about to burn the engine. Out. I think because now like, we can see land. They're like, yeah, let's um, let's try and bring him into shallow water and drown him. Let's let's have him chase us. Yeah, and then they burn the engine out. So they're hauling ass. It's Quint's boat. What he says goes, and he's just got the engine cranked up all the way, and then a nice big explosion of blackish gray smoke. The engine's dead. Jaws hot is hot on their tails. Yeah, they decide they're going to put Hooper In a cage. into the cage with so, a big long spear. The cage to, goes in the to water. Trying to essentially poison him to death. You go in the cage. You go in the cage. cage. Our man's in the water. You go in the cage. Cage shark goes is in the water. Our shark. Our shark. Our shark. There's the, I mean, there's the shortened like Kevin Smith version, which is right. the, man goes in the cage. Taco, cage goes in the water. Uh, yeah. Salsa shark, yeah. yeah so, our shark. Hooper gets in the water. He's got a scuba tank on this time. He gets in the cage. They lower him. He's got a spear. So this is a great, a great thing. So this is where the um, the couple who shot the real footage, yes, show up. I'm sorry, I interrupted you with the spear. The spear. Well, no, I was trying to remember what else he had with him. Well, but. the spear. He has put a uh, poison in the in the. Spear, yeah, and he's gonna. He can't get through the hide with it with the needle, but he could jab it into his mouth. So that's the goal: is to kill the shark by jabbing yeah. this thing in. Oh God! So they hire this couple, this Australian couple, to um, to shoot real footage of a shark. But yeah. the sharks in Australia, and, and I think a lot of times great whites aren't twenty five feet long. Right? Um, they're more like fourteen feet. Um, so they had a big enough. 
No, they, they, it wasn't going to read right. For a, for a perfect engine of killing and swimming. Sure, sure. So what they did is they got a smaller version of the cage. Oh, nice. They got some dummies, but they also cast a little person. Oh, my God, that's right. So um, there's a, a fun story with the little person. Um, they were holding auditions at Universal, and they had all these people coming in, and they Spielberg had this guy come in who was bleeding. He's like, are you bleeding? He's like, yeah, I... Um, I got into a car accident outside the gates. Oh my god! And so he was like, "And you left the scene of the accident?" And he's like, "He's like, I don't think you're supposed to leave the scene of the accident." So they sent him back to go deal with the police and then come back and do his audition. Wow! And Spielberg was kind of like, you know, like this, you know, plucky guy comes in who re- like really wants the job. And the guy told him that he's like, "I came in because I wanted the job." Yeah. So that's who he hired. So they sent him out to Australia. Cool. Um, to go dive. In, the, in this cage. And they used the dummy for some scenes, but then they used him. Wow. Uh, because it looked better to have an actual moving person in the cage. So yeah. the scene, any of the shots that aren't just Hooper, obviously they did some some reaction shots of Hooper. Right. But the shots where you see a, a person in the cage and the shark, that's, that's a little person. Um, who had done like, you know, stunts for like Black Beauty and, All right. and stuff like that. But... Um, so he's, he was familiar with doing, you know, stunt work. But uh, that's good. Um, but holy moly, what a scene that is! So the so the shark tears up the the cage, and Hooper he swims away. So what happened was, um, shark actually tore up the cage, got caught in the cage when they oh. were shooting it, because you can tell that's the real shark. Right. Yeah, um, it's definitely moving like a real shark. The shark got its nose caught in part of the like mechanism or the wiring or something. Oh, and got stuck on the cage and ended up completely tearing apart the cage. So, and they got this footage of the cage, you know, falling down and the shark attack, you know, tearing it up. Yeah. So, um, they told them that, so they rewrote the Hooper storyline ah, okay. to feature that, that scene because it was so good. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, there's literally a shot where, like, I think they're trying to bring the cage up and the cage has a real shark pinned to the bottom of the boat. Yeah. And it's like a flailing all around. That's such a crazy shot. So there's a great sh- there's a great um there's some great behind the scenes footage of them that happening from the boat's perspective. Oh what? So that you can see the shark out of the water like flopping and tail like hitting the boat and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um okay, so Hooper going all pools for the rest of my life. Hooper drops the the spear. It's it's a failure. He swims away. The shark destroys the cage. They pull up the cage, and they're like, oh, Hooper's dead. Oh, no. Hooper's dead. The cage is mutilated and torn apart. Hooper's hiding on the ocean floor. Yeah. With a sweet, sweet tank full of H2O. Yeah. I don't think it's H2O. So then what happens? I think it's NO2. No, it's something. It's oxygen is what it is. It's not nitrous. <laughs> now it's just Brody and, and I almost called him Shint. Brody mm-hmm. and Quint. Yep. I was thinking Shaw, Quint. Yeah. Quint. Is going ape shit, but also the boat is sinking, mm-hmm. and Quint slides down the deck of the boat and puts up a pretty good fight, kicking Jaws in the face a few times, but then he goes right into the shark's mouth. Yeah, it's kind of awful. It's, it's a very, awful. It's a very gruesome death, but he's killed probably hundreds of sharks in his day. But as the ship is coming apart, he's able to get the machete. He is. Yeah, he starts stabbing the shark in the face with oh, the machete. Oh, I always thought that was a much smaller knife. Okay. Now I believe so that's I believe the machete that's, that he put I believe there? that's the machete, and that's the whole reason we see we get a shot of him dropping the machete okay. onto the side of the boat. 
is that the boat is broken apart and he is able to get the machete and start stabbing the shark. That's my understanding. He stabs it. Excuse me. He stabs it in the head so many times. But I'm amazed that the shark keeps going. Amen. But that's what a perfect engine of swimming and eating Animals and are making baby sharks Tough does. critters. Yeah. So okay. now it's just Brody. Yep. The ship is sinking real bad. Yeah. Brody goes into the cabin of the boat. It's up to his chest with water. He gets the last scuba tank. Mm-hmm. And Jaws busts on through, and Brody manages to shove the scuba tank in his mouth and he tries make to him beat escape. him with it first. <laughs> he does try to beat him with it first, which is a good idea. Yeah, those things are heavy. Because they say that, like if you if you encounter a shark, like punch it in the nose. I saw a video just today of yeah. a guy scuba diving, and a fairly sizable shark comes at him. I'm not sure what breed it was, and I mean it comes at him like open mouth, and he puts a hand on its nose, and just sort of like you know like. Keeps it away from him as it's trying. And then as the shark is trying to keep getting at him, he puts another hand on its body and turns the shark so that its tail is pointing straight up to the sky. Oh, yeah. And then just holds it like that and it gets super, super disoriented and yeah, it's I think pretty it, funny. It uses kind of like a, almost like an echolocation kind of thing, but like through its nose. Yeah, they say if you punch a shark in the nose, it you can probably it. get away. Yeah. And let's face it, if you're close enough to punch it in the nose, you're either getting away or... You're already in trouble anyway, yeah, so you yeah. might as well try it. The ship is sinking. The shark's got a can full of compressed air in its mouth. Brody gets to the highest point, which is slowly sinking into the water. Yeah. Does he have his rifle or does he have his service he pistol? He has the rifle. Yeah, because he unloaded his service pistol. Quint's rifle. He's got Quint's rifle, and he's saying, Come on, show me the tank. Show me the tank. I just need to see He's the firing tank. firing bullet after bullet. Bullet after bullet. The shark is charging through the waves. The tank is in its mouth. And Quint, I mean, uh, Chief Brody says, Smile, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and he, he manages to get one bullet at just the right spot. Blows up that shark. What Chief Brody doesn't know is that Jaws has laid three more movies worth of shark eggs. <laughs> And there's going to be some revenge over the next couple of years. So uh, Hooper shows up. They get some Hooper, barrels. Hooper resurfaces. Yeah. He He's alive. Up. They get some barrels and they tie it to some wood. Yeah. And they make sort of like a little rafty kind of thing that they can lean on and they start kicking their way to shore. Kick their way to shore. And they, they make their way by the, end of the end, by the time the credits end. Yeah. They, they make landfall. What if it was the wrong island? Dun, dun, dun. Wouldn't that be scary? And that is Jaws. So I wanted to share an interesting story. Um, Something happened in 2010 about life imitating art. Oh? Yeah. So um, there's an Egyptian resort. Um, Uh Uh-oh. They experienced a a killer shark attack. Oh, no. They they first denied that there was a a problem. Uh Uh-oh. They resisted closing their beaches. Um... And then they eventually reluctantly closed them after there was a near shore attack. Oh my god. They killed the wrong shark and declared it the right one. <laughs> Even though there was evidence that it was the wrong one. Holy moly. They reopened the beaches with a big fanfare saying that they were safe. Had more attacks take place. After that, the sharks just left. Wow. But I thought it was interesting that um, there is the groundwork for what not to do yeah. in feature film form. And they did all of the things that they weren't supposed to do based on the plot of this film. And uh, just goes to show you, 
people are dumb. All these years later, we can still learn from Jaws. And yes, yeah. people are dumb. But if you're listening, you're smarter than most. Now there's, um, uh, I've heard of screenings like um, the uh, Rolling Road Show did some screenings like in Texas where they show, they do a giant inflatable screen. Oh my God, And yes. everybody watches it on rafts and inner tubes yeah. in, the, in the middle of the night. I desperately want to do that. I really do want to do one of those. I would want to do it in a place that's very warm yeah. all night because lake. Yeah. to do it in LA at night, you'd get real, real cold. Yeah. LA gets nice and chilly at night. Some place that has a lake, you know? I'd almost rather do a pool because even though it like no, loses some of the authenticity, bro, there's some monsters in some lakes. Yeah, bro. I don't mind the lake so much. I don't think I'd want to do it on the ocean though. There are some cr- no, no, you couldn't do it on the ocean. Way too much could go wrong. It's scary. A lake, you know, the water's a lot calmer. But I mean, yeah. I've gone fishing in the middle of the night and reeled in eels, my friend. That's all right. And uh, lakes at night, you know. Leave them for Jason. That's yeah. what I'm going to... That's my all right. advice. All right. Well, that's all the info I have for you on Jaws. This has been View the Right Thing. Um, some like it Jaws. Some like it Jaws. Um, we, we don't have a movie to talk about. We don't have a, a pull for Joey. Um, our next episode is our Oscar episode where we will wow. go over all of the films like we did last year. It's going to be a long episode. Kind of like this was a long episode. Even longer than this one probably. Um, but it's the episode to listen to if you want to like have good insight into the Oscar parties you're going for. A lot of Oscar parties do like prizes for people who guess the right number of Yeah, you get a little winners. sheet, you pick out um, your winners. I just want to remind everyone that I handily beat Steve and Desiree last year. Um, Here's the thing. Yeah. I have no recollection of this happening at all. It's a good thing that this exists in podcast form. People can go back and listen to... I'm pretty sure I only lost by like 19... No, I don't think you lost, me, but <laughs> but, uh, but I definitely I definitely beat beat the pants off, you guys. You did. It's true. It felt good. Now let's take our pants off. All right. What pants coming off? All right. To everyone. go swimming because we just watched Joe until until the Oscars, Bon Cinema. <laughs>